Hello, this is Do Go On. I'm Matt Stewart. And I'm Taran Jayamana. And uh, we're in Sydney. And uh, we're about to be in Brisbane. And we're doing live shows. They're called Dry Dryer. And also, who knew with Matt Stewart in both those cities? And you can get details at mattstewartcomedy.com. Anything else you want to tell the good listeners that do go on, Saran? Well, the whole point of this was you thought that it might be more engaging if you had a different voice. But you've said most of the information. So, hey, come see us in Sydney and Brisbane. Yeah, that was engaging. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. Upload video content, organize your video library and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. Cha-ching. <laughs> You can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I used to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalised results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI, Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also not just write it, but read it too. <laughs> And edit it. <laughs> hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses. Or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music or ebooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. <laughs> <laughs> and you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Hello and welcome to another episode of Do Go On. My name is Dave Warnicky and as always I'm here with Jess Perkins and Matt Stewart. Hello Dave, hello Matt. Hey Jess and Dave, happy Blocktiverse. Wow. Happy Blocktiverse. Week three. Happy Blocktopher Grace. It's Block. We are having our Blockbuster Toba month. Uh, I think that was the original name, Blockbuster Toba. Uh, the <laughs> month full of the biggest topics we do, the most requested, the most voted for. We're right in the heart of it now. We're hitting the midway point today of Block Topher Grace period. It is good. There is a certain little blockiness in the air, mm. and I think everyone's catching it. And, you know, that's why everyone's staying indoors. Yeah. But, um, it's highly infectious. <laughs> it's highly infectious. <laughs> it's gone all around the globe. Started a wet market in Wuhan and it has spread around the world. But this is a positive one. That's this right. is block. I've got a fever and it needs more block. Yeah. Mm. Hey, quick question. What are you two doing for block? Thank you so much for asking. Obviously, normally I holiday at the summer home, um, but because uh, we can't do that at the moment, I'm holidaying in the summer apartment. Mm. <sighs> It's beautiful here. That, that felt safer or? Yeah, yeah. 
to have more yeah. people around you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yep. yeah. I wanted my neighbours closer. <laughs> You've got a summer and winter house, summer and winter apartment. Yeah, they, summer and just winter. Just the four properties? Is that all you have? Oh, God, no. <laughs> oh, I've got a beach house. Yep. Spring camper I've van. Got, yeah, spring camper van. That's just for fun. And we've also got a winter chalet. Oh, and an autumn swag. <laughs> <laughs> but that's really that's just great. more ornamental at this stage. Yeah, right. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> well, I'm so pumped to get into week three of Block. Uh, this is the third most voted for and requested topic. Mm. And this one surprised me. This one I did not... Some of the others I'm like, I've seen them around a lot. This one I, I did not realise would be so big. Uh, obviously, this is one of the few times where all three of us know the topics because we've we have to divvy them up to see who did all the reports. Yeah, dear listener. Normally, if you're a new listener, we would not uh, the two not doing the report wouldn't even know what the topic is. But this week, Dave and I do know, and Jess is about to tell us all about him. You still going to start with a question? Sure am. All right. So I'll quickly explain the show for new listeners. Uh, one of the three of us goes away and researches a topic usually being voted on by the audience uh, or the patrons. And uh, this time it is the third most popular of all time, basically, or at least of all time of the topics that we haven't done yet. (laughs) And, (laughs) I mean, that takes a bit of the shine off it because there's (laughs) 250-something topics have been done already. But Jess has taken that topic away. She's researched it. She's written a report. She's going to tell it back to me and Dave now while Dave and I listen Respectfully, mm-hmm. quietly. Mm-hmm. Maybe we chip in helpfully every now and then. No, no, I'm only helpfully. I, I'm going to mute my mic this week. Okay. All right. In fact, Dave, just take the day off. Thanks. And then you can just listen back to the podcast later. Yeah, I'll get the info. That's what we're all here for. The I reckon info. that's that's what will happen when um, when inevitably the three of us have a big falling out, but we can't uh, like we don't want to stop the podcast because by none that of time, us are quitters, are we? And we're making millions by that time, so we're just in it for the cash. So we just record podcasts separately, all from our own homes. Yeah. Well, we have a big uh, copyright infringement over who owns the name Do Go On, so then we have to come up with podcasts like The Do Go On or yeah. Dave Go On and stuff like that. <laughs> Matt and the Do Go On Band, <laughs> the official Do Go On podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the real, what was the zombies? The real zombies, in inverted commas. Yeah. The real do go on. <laughs> um, okay, so yes, we do get started with a question. I know you two know the topic, but for anybody who manages not to um, not to see the title of the, of the episode, because I know some people, people do, do try to do that, exactly. So for them, uh, and for you, I suppose, the question is, who got their big break playing a man from Orc? Mm. Oh, God, okay, who could it be? Could it be? It's either Mork or Mindy. Now, who played Mindy? Um. <laughs> Actually, it is Mork from Orc. It's not Mindy from Orc. So that means, no. Dave, I think, you want to say it with me? Robin. Mork. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I think it's actually Robin Williams. Robin Williams, that's oh, right. Was on the tip of my tongue. So, I mean, there were so many topics. How many topics were put up uh, for the vote for Blocktober, Matt? Do well, you know? I think it was the 100 most, something like the 100 most uh, requested topics. Right. And so the third most voted on was Robin Williams. It beat out so many mysteries and killers. Yeah, and... all the things that people usually mm. are really, really into. Um, it's oh, fascinating and pretty cool. Yeah, pretty cool that they've they wanted a 
a bio of of a of a clown essentially. But oh, a clown doctor. Mm. Yeah, I went into that movie expecting something different. <laughs> oh, fun clown doctor. This is going to be a oh. wacky adventure. Oh. <laughs> it's mostly good. I had the same when I was uh, I was like, "Oh, a bicentennial man. This will be fun." <laughs> this will be fun. Oh, <laughs> yeah! Look, he makes you think. Um, <laughs> I should have yes. said flubber. I thought this was going to be a fun family romp. My God, <laughs> it was horrifying. I don't even think I mentioned flubber. It's actually so hard. I wrote this report and then I kept like thinking of more movies he was in. I was like, God, if I don't mention that movie, I'm going to get so killed. Many so many films. Huge, and I mean, for people sort of of our generation as well. By the time. We were aware of who Robin Williams was. He was in his mid to late 40s. So going back and actually learning a bit more about his early life is really, really interesting. And I think I thought of him as like a stand-up who sort of got into acting and then sort of surprised people by being quite good at acting, but his story is actually quite different. So, Oh, that's what I assumed as well. Yeah. So, I mean, it's... It's not great. Anyway, I'll just tell you in the report, I reckon. <laughs> All right. But this has been suggested by um, quite a few people. It's been suggested by Libby, Corey Irons, uh, Justin Nichols, Danny Bolter, Clifford Warren Logue Jr. What? Oh, my God. <laughs> and Detective... I thought Bolter was great. Detective Herbert Covington. Oh, yeah, you can't beat the detective. He's one of the best. Although the name before was an all-timer as well. Sorry, <laughs> I laughed out loud at it. Out of respect, yeah. Can I say? Oh, I loved it. I'm hoping he's got like a pocket square or whatever they are, and, and a monocle, a, a neckerchief. <laughs> Am I saying these words right? <laughs> you know that thing that foof, that sort yeah, of yeah, a cravat, scarf, a cravat. That's what I'm saying. A, a neckerchief. <laughs> that can't be. Is that anything? It should be. If, if it's, it's not, not a, yeah, that's be. a thing. Is it a cravat right. though, or is it a different thing? Yes, yeah, I, I think I meant a cravat. So part of the dinnerware. That I, that <laughs> <laughs> oh, dinnerware collection. Oh yeah. Dave's expertise. Mm, Here we go. Dinnerware and crockery, apparently. (laughs) This is when, when, by the stage that we're multi-millionaires and uh, (laughs) recording separately, Dave's also got a side hustle, which is a dinnerware company. He's stuck so hard to the fact that dinnerware is clothing that he releases a dinnerware collection, including a neckerchief and a cravat, two separate things. Things. And possibly in real life too. <laughs> and two two different price points. Yeah. Oh yeah. Big price difference. I know people say don't at me, but if anyone has more info on neckerchiefs and cravats, because I don't, I won't remember this conversation at all. Uh, so during the week, if you do want to tweet me, I'll be like, I don't know what you're talking about, but thanks for the info. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> um. So yeah, let's get stuck into the life of Robin Williams. His um full name is Robert. McLaurin or McLaren, McLaurin Williams. And he was born in Chicago, July 21st, 1951. His father, Robert, was a senior executive for Ford Motor Company and his mother, Laurie, was a former model and part-time actress. Both of his parents had a son each from previous marriages. Laurie had a son named McLaurin Smith Williams who was raised by his grandparents, so Laurie's present uh, parents, and he found out that his parents were his grandparents later in life and met Robin when Robin was about eight years old. I'm not entirely sure how old um, McLaurin was or Mac, um, but in photos he looks like easily late teens, early 20s. 
um, before he found out that his parents were actually his grandparents. Oh. Wow. Yeah. And Robin's father, Robert, had a son named Robert, um, known as Todd, so it's a little bit easier. Oh, I my think God. I'm this already is, confused. This is a crazy family tree already and there's only been two sons named. Are you able to break it down real quick once more? Because my head so just felt like it exploded. Robin has two half-brothers. Yeah. So his dad has another son, his mum has another son. Okay. Um, so all three boys were essentially raised as only children um, and despite meeting him li- later in life, though, they all remained really connected despite Todd and Mac not being biologically related. They right. all just sort of saw themselves as as oh, three brothers. Like a like Brady the three of them together are, are a Venn diagram, right? Yeah, because Robin's, Robin's the, the middle. middle. Whoa. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so Robin was raised as, a, as an only child. And in late 63, when Robin was about 12, his father transferred to Detroit and the family moved into a 40-room farmhouse on 20 acres. Whoa. Detroit is like, that's the big um, motor car city. It's, uh, it's what, so that's why. And he works for Ford, right? Yeah. And he married a model. Did the model he married, was it the Model T Ford? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I know. That's, that's huge. Yeah. So... Robin's mum was a car. Was a car. <laughs> he's half car. <laughs> that makes sense. That's it totally why his brain does. works differently. Yeah, because he's half car. And one half brother was half car and the other half brother was no car. No car. Yeah. But somehow they all just saw each other as family. Isn't that beautiful? <laughs> I don't want to take you back to the farmhouse with 40 rooms with three people living in it. What do they what do they got? Once you get a billiard room, a library, a ballroom, yeah. conservatory, what what else is there? How, and how many bedrooms do you really need? For three people. What's well, oh, a farmhouse? Three. So I assume that, you know, like the cows would have one bedroom, right. chickens would have a bedroom, <laughs> mm, pigs, goats. probably another bedroom, goats, of course, would have their own room. That's true. Sounds to me like the classic episode of Escape to the Country where there's two people wanting to downsize to a 40-room farmhouse so they can have, <laughs> run an Airbnb as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just in it's case just... our friends come to visit, we want to have 19 spare bedrooms. <laughs> yeah. I want to yeah. be an old person in England. They all seem to just live this wild life. I mean, off the the, I haven't seen many episodes of that show, Down to the Country or whatever, but... It does sound like what you just described is every episode of the Every show. episode. They yeah. want to downsize and the house has 19 bedrooms <laughs> and and some stables. Or you'll see House Hunters International or House Hunters Island Edition where people are trying to buy an island oh. and you're like, yeah, I want to be an old British couple. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, we just want to get some sun. I'm like, you're going to burn. <laughs> you haven't seen sun in 60 years. Now's not the time. But, but imagine having that kind of wealth but also being like, yeah, I'll go on this reality show that's played during the day. Like, I wouldn't want people to know that I own an island. Totally. Have some fucking shame. <laughs> For God's sake. Have some shame that you own an island. What a funny level of shame that would be. I mean, yeah, like have some shame that you've got so much money. You have such wealth and that you are shopping for it. an island. Yeah. I mean, come on. Are Rather you a commie, Dave? Helping the hungry. <laughs> I mean, I've got an oh, island, but I've, go. also, I've also got some shame, so I don't talk about Dave, it. Dave thinking buying an island's a bit much. What a commie <laughs> bastard. <laughs> That's right. People shouldn't own entire private islands. Yeah. Yeah, I said it. So Robin attended um, Detroit County Day Schools, an all-boys private school, where he described himself as as serious a student as you could be and an athlete, both things that were a little bit surprising. Yeah. Really good at sports, very serious student. 
Right. He excelled in school where he was on the school's wrestling team and was elected class president. Um, and with both of his parents working, Robin was partially raised by the family's maid and, and much of his home life was quite isolated. He was by himself a lot. <laughs> because um, there was 30 bedrooms between him and his parents at all times. Yeah. So even if they weren't at work, it's like, how the fuck do I find You them? don't know their home. <laughs> this is... <laughs> And this is pre-intercoms and stuff, you know. You can't be like, Mom, where are you? <laughs> was his mum by, uh, made by chance an old English woman? Um, who's, yes. Whose catchphrase was, hello there. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We just realise as Jess tells the story that he hasn't come up with any original ideas. He's just, <laughs> every character he's Everything. ever played is ripped off from someone from around the house. Do they have a, a room full of magic lamps? <laughs> Yes, actually, that was one of the rooms. That was actually two of the rooms. Wow. Two lamp rooms. <laughs> the lamp, lamp room. I mean, the house is big enough to have a fucking lamp room. I know, imagine being that wealthy. So the family moved to San Francisco when he was 16, which was a massive culture shock from the stiff private school that he'd attended in Detroit. Um, you know, San Fran in the 60s was um, pretty loose. So there he attended Redwood High School, which was a much more relaxed and easygoing than his previous school. And at the time of his graduation in 1969, nice. Oh, yeah, um, don't forget that one. He was voted funniest but also most likely not to succeed <laughs> by his classmates. Wow. What? They got one thing right what there, didn't of, they? What kind of fucked up school has that award? I know. Most, most like, likely not to succeed. It's like on The Simpsons when Homer goes to his reunion and he gets most improved odour. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, maybe they weren't joking that much on The Simpsons. That's not that big of a stretch, is it? That is so rude. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, they, at my school they just didn't tell me. Exactly. <laughs> they thought it, but they didn't let us know. Mm. And don't they look stupid now <laughs> with their multiple properties and steady jobs. <laughs> Idiots. Some of them probably have islands. <laughs> After graduating from high school, he enrolled in Claremont Men's College to study political science. It was an all-men's school and the only opportunity to mingle with girls was in theatre, so Robin decided to try an improv theatre class because that's where the ladies were. I mean, we've all we've all yeah. enrolled in a drama degree to meet people, so. And how'd that go for you, Dave? Fantastic. Uh, married with nine children. <laughs> so. <laughs> so. <laughs> Study drama. <laughs> um, yeah, he was totally sucked in and he loved theatre and he stopped attending his political science classes. He was just hanging out in the theatre rooms. So his father was like, I'm not paying if for classes you're not going to. <laughs> so they agreed that Robin would go back home um, to Marin where his parents were and attend a local junior college. So he did that and he attended the College of Marin, which is a community college, and studied acting full-time. And this is a nice little thing from um, Wikipedia. It says, according to College of Marin's drama professor James Dunn, the depth of the young actor's talent became evident when he was cast in the musical Oliver as Fagin. Williams was Williams often improvised during the, his time in the drama <laughs> program, right. leaving cast members in hysterics. Dunn called his wife after one late rehearsal to tell her Williams was going to be something special. That is nice. I did think you were going to say that he improvised during the musical of Oliver, which you cannot do. You cannot. Why not? The live orchestra are trying to keep up with you because you're just making it up. He's every, beatboxing and they're like, please. Every other cast member's like, mate, come on. 
God. I don't know what you're talking lines. about. He's like, oh, a time machine. All right. <laughs> yeah. Space <That's>, jump. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and. Yeah. Oh, Robin, we've rehearsed this for 12 weeks. <laughs> Can you just do the fucking lines, please? <laughs> Charles Dickens not good enough for you. Okay. <laughs> but that is nice. So the yeah. professor remembers him being so good that he, he made a call. Yeah. To his wife like, saying, Holy this kid's shit. something special. Yeah. And, it, and now I get what you were saying, Bob, about him getting into acting later, but he was in acting before comedy. He goes even further because he and some of his classmates were invited to perform a Western-style version of The Taming of the Shrew at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival uh, to to wild success. They had rave reviews, they won awards, they had a royal command performance and it was a massive time for all of these wide-eyed young performers. It was huge. One of his classmates is interviewed in this documentary that I watched, which... A great deal of this report, um, a lot of the information came from that. It's a great doco. And one of his, like, friends and classmates is talking about it and he was just sort of saying that, like, it's an opportunity that comes around once in a lifetime if you're lucky. And it was just so, it was so nice hearing him talk about it and I was like, yeah, there's so many things that, you know, even the three of us have got to do that we totally take for granted that I hope we look back on when we're old and go, fuck, that's pretty cool that we got to do stuff like that because at the moment you're just like, yeah, it's normal, (laughs) you know. It was just nice seeing him talk like that. It was really cool. In 1973, Robin moved to New York to attend the Juilliard School. Robin and Christopher Reeve started at Juilliard together as advanced students. So they were kind of, they came into about second or third year, I think, um, and sort of joined that class based on their previous experience. I cannot tell you how hard it is to get into that. He must have been so talented. He's very good. I think they have like thousands of people audition for like, you know, a class each year, right? It is like one of the most prestigious in the world. So he must have been extremely naturally talented. Very good. And Christopher Reeve um, remembered his first impression of Robin when they were new students at Juilliard. He said he wore tie-dye shirts with tracksuit bottoms and talked a mile a minute. I'd never seen so much energy contained in one person. He was like an untied balloon that had been inflated and immediately released. I watched in awe as he virtually caromed off the walls of the classrooms and hallways. To say that he was on would be a major understatement. As his first impression of him. That feels like, yeah, that, that adds up to me. Yeah, from that what sounds I know about right. Yeah. yeah, from what I've seen, yeah. So he's just always been that way. Interesting. Yeah. So what followed were intense classes in which John Houseman or Houseman worked his students hard in order to get the best out of them. Robin described it as moments of, great, this is amazing, and moments of, what the hell am I doing here? <laughs> Would have been so intense. But he also talked about being taught this is Robin, talked about being taught to pay attention to things on a different level, things like movement, your vocals, acting, and getting a great set of tools to work with. And in the documentary he mentions doing a bit with a hat pulled down and when he moved his eyebrows, his eyebrows it would pop up and he mm. described seeing their teacher, John Hausman, laugh and how thrilling it was for him. And he he mentions that kind of thing in relation to a few different people. It's like he's he talks about his father watching TV and his dad was a hard laugh, but something on the TV made him really laugh and he was kind of like, oh, how do I how do I make dad laugh like that? And he talks about it with his mum as well and mucking around trying to make her laugh and now the teacher too. So I think like it's a recurring thing throughout his life that that sense of validation by getting people to laugh is like what he's always chasing. Right. Can you um, 
So you two drama types, you fill in the non-drama-ish people. The Juilliard School, I've heard about it a lot. Is that what? Why is that so prestigious and hard to get into? Was it that's not the method one? What's which one is that? Oh, it's What's just like a it's like a performing arts sort of like a academy. So mm. people like also you know study cello and things like that there. But it's just at such a high level. Really great teachers. Like if you look at like their alumni, it's like really a lot of very famous people have gone through there. But I think it's also yeah, there's like limited places. I don't know. I've got no yeah. idea. But like here in Australia, our big drama schools they'll take like twenty to thirty people each year. Yeah. And they'll and hundreds, have a couple of thousand yeah. will, will like audition for NIDA, our biggest one. But over yeah. there, I think because so many more people, the stakes are even hard, you know, more against you. So that he got in is especially as, as an advanced student too. I didn't realise yeah. that, Jess, that he'd joined other people that had already been studying the acting and they obviously think he's good enough to join people who've already yeah. been doing it a year and just sort of seamlessly transition into it. That's yeah. pretty impressive. Right, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, NIDA you hear about a bit. That's the West Australia one, right? No, that's no, the Sydney in one. Sydney. Oh, what's yeah. the what's the Western? There's a big one in Perth as well. Uh, there's Whopper. Whopper. The Western Australian <laughs> Performing Arts. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Whopper. that's fantastic. Whopper and then the and Victoria, Nida. and the one here is VCA. So there are three Victorian right. College of the Arts. So there's three. They're the three big in Australia. But over there, yeah, it's just again like with so many more people. I think it's pretty cutthroat. Yeah. Yeah. So, and there's some really great anecdotes um, from his teachers at Juilliard. These were just um, on Wikipedia, which is great. So there's there's this one here. It says um, they had a class in dialects taught by Edith Skinner, who uh, Christopher Reeves said was one of the world's leading voice and speech teachers. And according to Reeves, Skinner was bewildered by Robin Williams and his ability to instantly perform in many different accents. Oh, that's cool. Their primary acting teacher was Michael Kahn, who was equally baffled by this human dynamo. <laughs> Love that phrase. Isn't that good? <laughs> Williams already had a reputation for being funny, but Khan criticised his antics as simple stand-up comedy. In a later production, Williams silenced his critics with his well-received performance as an old man in Tennessee Williams' Night of the Iguana. Reeve wrote, he simply was the old man. Yeah, that's acting. Um, I was astonished by his work and very grateful that fate had thrown us together. So, yeah, it's funny seeing that he was voted most likely not to succeed and then a few years later his teachers are in awe of him. <laughs> That's kind of cool. And, in fact, Robin left Juilliard during his junior year in 1976 at the suggestion of John Hausman, who was in charge of the drama program, who said there was nothing more Juilliard could teach him. Wow. <laughs> wow. Is that, him, yeah. is that him, like, being polite, going, can you, you distract everyone, can you leave? We, yeah. we don't have anything more for you. It's not for you. <laughs> well, another teacher apparently said that Robin was a genius and that the school's conservative and classic style didn't suit him. So maybe it is a bit maybe it is a bit like you don't you don't really well, it's not that you don't belong here. I don't know, yeah. They're just saying you don't <laughs> there's nothing more we can teach you here. Which is pretty fucking crazy. So once he left Juilliard, he returned home and started doing improv comedy in what he describes as a response to not getting acting work. <laughs> he just wanted something to do. So from improv, he moved pretty smoothly into stand-up and he started performing in San Francisco in 1976. Um, and he worked as a bartender at a comedy club called Holy City Zoo so that he could get up on stage and perform. He just got a job bartending so he was around. And when you say up on stage, you mean up on the bar? Yes, yeah, yeah, he would dance on the bar like Coyote Ugly. <laughs> it was very sexy. I can see that. He'd go all yeah. in on something like that. He'd go too ugly. far, yeah. yeah. 
Um, and this is where he met Valerie Villardi, who was a waitress who was finishing her master's in dance at Mills College, and they fell in love. Um, after about six months in San Francisco, though, Robin moved to L.A. and he started to perform at the Comedy Store where names like David Letterman and Andy Kaufman were appearing. Like it was kind of a really big time um, in L.A. in comedy. And um, Dave Letterman describes feeling like he was clinging on to the microphone for dear life and Robin was a guy who could levitate because uh-huh. there was one night where the mics cut out for some reason and everyone else was sort of like, oh, fuck, and then Robin just sort of went into the audience and he, he says something like, I, I knew how to project because I'd been trained to be loud and so he just performed and he just he absolutely killed it and all the other comedians are going, fuck. Um. And, yeah, Dave Letterman was talking about feeling like he'd come to L.A. at exactly the wrong time because he couldn't keep up with Robin. So, <laughs> this, Rob- I mean, the town is famously you can only have one successful comedian at any exactly. one time. Yes, especially um, types like Robin Williams and David Letterman who are so similar. Yeah, that's right. Um, such in a- style, <laughs> delivery, everything. Both real you know? deadpan. <laughs> Imagine Robin Williams hosting like a late night show. He'd be a nightmare. <laughs> wow, the monologue might actually be good. <laughs> Yeah, but imagine him interviewing. Yeah, fair enough. He'd be. It was fun. Like, okay. Probably a fun interviewee. Yeah. You just, you, you just have to let him go. Yeah. 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 You'd have to be the type of interviewer that can just, just go with whatever they're throwing at you. Yeah, you probably don't have to say all that much as an interviewer, probably. Yeah. So he's in LA, and he's dating and living with Elaine Boosler, who's also a comedian. And she describes knowing that Robin was seeing other people, but she didn't really mind. But other comics were worried for her and kept telling her, you know, he has a girlfriend in San Francisco, which she asked him about and he denied. But shortly after he and Elaine broke up, Robin married Valerie in June of 1978. Okay. Um, But it's the 70s and in these interviews in the doco, everyone seems fine with it, even though I was like, Okay, but they don't seem to care. So it's like, all right, well, you do you. It's a um, culture thing. You don't it's get a time it. Thing. You don't get it's it. A time this is San Francisco. Thing. This is LA. This is La La Land. This is Tinseltown. Things are done differently around there, Jess. They don't care yeah. about your your little virgin rules. Yeah, those are my virgin <laughs> rules. I'm just saying. I literally said that's cool. Yeah. Okay, um, Jess. You made a bit of a scene now. <laughs> Calm down, Jess. Yeah, we're going to have to ask you to leave. <laughs> um, in 1977, Gary Marshall, who produced Happy Days, and you'd know Gary Marshall too. You would know his face and he has he often played a producer-type person. So he's a, he was a producer of Happy Days and he asked one day why his son Scott wasn't watching Happy Days anymore. He's like, why aren't you watching Happy Days? And Scott, who had become fascinated by Star Wars, said, there's no spaceman on it. So Gary goes into the writer's room and says, Scotty wants a spaceman. <laughs> what is this, Sidney Scheinberg's brother? <laughs> yes. We found a new one, Gary, and his name's Gary as well. This yeah. Gary Marshall. So I've just looked, I looked up his image, I do know him, yep. yeah. <laughs> and so you can hear him saying it. And Gary Marshall's sister, Ronnie, 
was also working on the show. She was in charge of casting, so she suggested a comedian she'd seen perform. So they brought in Robin for an audition, and when he was asked to take a seat at the audition, he immediately sat on his head on the chair, like he sat upside down, and Marshall cast him on the spot. (laughs) (laughs) That's our space man. (laughs) That's our space man. This guy's from another planet. You're hired. You're not, you are, you are spot on because a comment that Gary Marshall made about it later on, he said that um, Robin Williams was the only alien who auditioned for that role. <laughs> and we had to give it to him by default. He's, Gary Marshall also directed a lot of big movies. Pretty Woman, yeah, yeah. Beaches, mm-hmm. Runaway Bride. They're all romantic comedies by the look of it. Valentine's yeah. Day. Oh, yeah. He's a Princess never been Diaries. Kissed. Princess Diaries. Genovia, yes. we love it, Jess. Mother's he's Day. in Never Been Kissed, but I don't know if he's directed or produced that one as well. Yeah, right. It's real. But he plays man. like he plays this kind of person. Right. Like he plays this this hard ass owner or editor of a newspaper. It, it's with a shiny, real shiny white teeth. He's got like yes. perfect teeth, man. Yeah, and he's got that. He's got a very um, recognizable voice. Um, if you can't picture him, Google Gary Marshall, and you'll go, oh yes. Um, so anyway, so Robin's brought in for an episode of Happy Days in which an alien named Mork attempts to take Richie Cunningham back to his planet of Orc <laughs> as a human specimen, but his plan is foiled by Fonzie. <laughs> hey. In the initial broadcast of this episode, it all turned out to be a dream that Richie had, but when Mork proved to be so popular... The ending in the syndicated version was re-edited to show Mork erasing the experience from everyone's minds, thus meaning the event had actually happened and wasn't a dream. So in Happy Days, aliens exist. Yes. Love it. I didn't know. I didn't realise it was a spin-off. Amazing. Yeah. So by chance, ABC had a series fall through and they needed to fill a slot, so they scrambled to put something together, so they decided to give Mork a spin-off. <laughs> That's so cool. they're there had been another show called Sister Terry about a tough-talking former gang leader turned nun. Mm. Love that. Starring Pam Dorber as the uh, titular character, Sister Terry. So Gary Marshall took footage from Sister Terry and from Robin scenes in Happy Days and spliced them together to create a pilot and came up with a show about a spaceman living with a human woman. Literally didn't even film anything. He just spliced these Wait, shots that together. that didn't air, did it? No, that, that, I'm <laughs> that assuming that would have just been baffling to the bosses. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> it's like, what's going on here? <laughs> They're clearly not in the same room, these two having a conversation. Well, Pam Dorber didn't even know she'd been cast in the show until she read about it in the paper. Imagine, and she was like, this sounds shit. <laughs> imagine getting, a, get, getting your TV show up on network television because a, a spot opened up. And they just rushed a thing together. You'd think there'd be so much work leading up to every show getting made. Oh, we were rejected over 10 years. This is like, yeah, just whack something together and we just took a free spot. Like it's a community radio station or something. Oh, it's a spot free. So, yeah, we put our hands up. And maybe stuff like that happens more where they do have to kind of scramble to put something together. Surely there's a little more work than, you know, just splicing two bits of film together. But those shows don't last, but this one did. So apparently Robin's manager called him to tell him about it and said, we've got 22 shows guaranteed, you'll get paid 15 a week. And Robin's stoked, like he's like, 1,500 bucks, yes. He'd never made so much money. And then his manager was like, no, no, (laughs) 15,000. 
He was like, 1500 bucks a week? Uh, yeah. You're going to get paid 15 a week. 15 bucks a week? Woo-hoo. <laughs> Sweet. He hits the town straight away. $15,000. I'm going to buy a, a hammer. <laughs> and he's getting that per week. Yeah. Wow. That's. I know. Big, if you're happy with 10% of that, imagine your wage just went I up. I know. So um, Gary Marshall's son, Scott, the one who wanted the spaceman, he tells this really great story in the doco about how Robin would be improvising and be so physical on set and Gary Marshall would ask the camera guys if they got it. But with three fixed cameras, the camera guys would be like, he didn't come by here. (laughs) And Gary would be like, this guy's a genius. We have to capture what he's doing. And they'd be like, if this guy's a genius, he could hit his mark. (laughs) They're just like, I just sit here. This is where my camera is. What did he learn at Juilliard? How to raise a hat with his eyebrows? (laughs) Not how to stand on a mark? Not to hit a mark. Doesn't know how to hit his mark. So Gary brought in a fourth camera just to follow Robin and that has since become the standard format for sitcoms is four cameras. Ah. And that's because Robin Williams was so physical and so hard to predict that they just had to have someone specific to follow him. That's smart. It's kind of crazy. It's funny when you, like, it seems obvious now. I love those things that are like, yeah, obviously they just have a camera following him. But someone had to invent that. Yeah, someone had to think of that. Yeah. So despite the concept sounding very dumb, and like I said, Pam Dorber was like, this sounds terrible, Mork and Mindy was immediately popular. Um, the Nielsen ratings were very high. It was ranked at number three behind Laverne and Shirley and Three's Company, which were also both on the ABC, and Happy Days was number four. It outranked the show it was a spin-off from. Wow. Isn't that insane? That's cool. At its peak... It had a weekly audience of 60 million people. Whoa. Two Australias and, and a bit. <laughs> wow. Two and a bit Australians. Yeah, whacking a bit of New Zealand in there too. Wow. <laughs> yeah, come on in, New Zealand. Please, um, so the, we like you. Please. <laughs> can, we, please. Uh, look, can we come and visit you as well? Please. Oh, I can't wait. They're starting to make deals. Not for Melbourne people, but. God, no. Yeah. I want to go visit New Zealand or anywhere. Anyway. I'd like to just even be able to go. To the beach, for, which is like maybe half an hour away. For people listening in the future, we're still in COVID nineteen lockdown. Yeah. In case you're like, what? Just go. You're. Yeah, that's, you can... that was a distant, distant memory. Hopefully, hopefully, <laughs> one day. <sighs> Doesn't feel it. Um. So 60 yeah, sixty million. million people watching. Crazy. <laughs> I can't and get my head just, around that. He's just become very quickly a star. He's a star. 60 million people. Now, how many people is that in Olympic pools? <laughs> One. <laughs> Whoa. That's They're really a densely big. filled pool. Yeah. Yeah. It's a small pool. His stand-up career is also going really well. He'd go from the set of Mork and Mindy to the comedy store to perform and then to the improv as well. He'd work a full day filming the sitcom and then do multiple gigs a night, you know, five or six. He was appearing on talk shows. He was partying in Hollywood. He was hanging out with big-name stars like Richard Pryor and Robert De Niro and Andy Warhol and John Belushi. I saw a picture of him with Andy Warhol and I was like, well, I've got to put that in there because that's insane. Um, it's just like Robin and his wife just sitting next to Andy Warhol at a club and I was like, that's a strange photo. Mm, but wow. I love it. So by the second year of Mork and Mindy, Robin was using heavy drugs pretty regularly He was partying, drinking, using drugs, sleeping with women. His wife Valerie in the doco says he loved women and I got it and I wanted him to have that. But I also wanted him to come home. I guess her concern is more for his well-being in terms of being out. She sounds like a real nag. (laughs) She is a nightmare. I want you to um, come home. (laughs) 
She's honestly like one of the coolest ladies I've ever seen. Like she seems so great. She's really cool. Do anything. Um, like just come home occasionally. Yeah. And it, it really did seem like it was more like to get some rest. Like you should, you know, she wasn't too worried about anything else, which is very cool. Um, there'd be times that he was looking pretty rough on set and his co-star Pam would say she knew he'd been out till 3 or 4 a.m. Um, but his career kept growing and in, the, and in 1980 he scored his first starring role as the titular character in Popeye. Ah. The film was uh, not good. <laughs> oh, oh, nice. <laughs> yes. And I've, they only used like a tiny clip of it in the doco and I was like, oh, I hate that. I think I saw it, it looked, as a kid maybe. One of those ones. It looks shit. It was just in a dusty corner of a video shop for Blockbuster yeah. or something. Like, Popeye, a movie. Cool. Oh, this is weird. Yeah, it looked a bit strange. Also, I believe the debut, or if not one of the early films, of uh, future Brendan Fraser collaborator Linda Hunt. Yes. We talk about no often way. I think, on Fraser Yeah, the Bar. this came up on a recent Fraser in the Bar, and one of us said it, and the rest were like, what? <laughs> Popeye, yeah, yeah, the movie? I, yeah, that's why I thought it stuck out of my mind so much. I did not even know it existed until that moment. Yeah, and it wasn't good, but Robin's performance was seen as great. Um, he was still, you know, regarded very well. But still, the movie being a flop, he felt as if his dreams of being a movie star um, might not be the most promising dreams. He was like, okay, well, maybe not. A couple of years later, during the fourth season of Mork and Mindy, Pam Dorber had the difficult task of telling Robin that his close friend John Belushi had died the night before from an overdose. Robin had been with John in his bungalow at the Chateau Marmont and the news that his friend had died only hours after he'd been with him was a massive shock for Robin. Robin said, here's this guy who was a beast who could do anything and he's gone and that sobered the shit out of me. So seeing his friend die from an overdose was a was a massive turning point for Robin in terms of his own drug use and he stopped partying and using drugs to the extent that he was. Okay. It's not a great step, but he, he really backed right off. I don't do them on Wednesdays anymore. Okay. That's a rest day. <laughs> Got to have rest days. That is smart. I mean, it would be like, yeah, I think about it sometimes. Like imagine living in a world where there's no, you've got, I mean, he has a job. He has to get up to work and that's not stopping him. That would make, and, and you like partying, that would make it hard. Like if yeah. you've got a day job where you can't rock up like that in a bad state. It keeps you, you go, well, I can only party on the weekends. But people who, musicians, for instance, it's almost encouraged to do it while they're performing. That would be, you see why it's such a big trap. And why there's a lot of drinking and stuff in comedy as well, which he talks about too, that it's just, it's around you. So you do just kind of do it. Yeah, drinking at work. Yeah. Yeah, that's not normally bars. Like, Often our pay is a beer, isn't it, Jess? Yeah, free drink. <laughs> oh, you get two drinks tonight. All right. Ooh. Things are looking up. <laughs> it was around the same time that Robin learned that Mork and Midney had been cancelled and he was really fearful of what the future held for him. And he and Valerie had enjoyed the party life of Hollywood but they felt like it was no longer for them so they decided to go back to Northern California. So they moved to a ranch outside of San Fran and they started a family. Their son Zachary was born in 1983 and was served by Christopher Reeve as his godfather. Superman himself. You have Superman <laughs> as your godfather. That is sick. Robin's career kept moving along, having roles in uh, The World According to Garp in 1982, The Survivors in 1983, 
and Club Paradise in 1986 that we said these roles didn't really advance his film career. But I mean, according to Garp, how do you... that classic that we all know and love? Yeah, the world wow. according to Garp. Wow, Garp, <laughs> Garp. <laughs> His first major break in film came from his starring role in Good Morning Vietnam in 1987, which earned Robin a nomination for the Academy Award for Best Actor. And that's like his a big breakout role. It's maybe, what, his fifth film role? So just to confirm, uh, according to Garp, no nominations. No nominations. Survivors, wow. no nominations. Wow. Club Paradise, no nominations. Popeye, no oh, nomination. Okay, now I know Come that the on. system is rigged. Absolutely. Good morning, Vietnam. Rigged. Nominated. Okay. I watched that at school. We must have been studying the Vietnam War. So that was his first big film. I yeah, I remember. I remember that being a big hit. Yeah. But yeah, maybe in school as well. What year did it come out? Eighty-seven. Oh wow, it feels like a nineties film. But that's probably because I watched it at school. Yeah, in the nineties. <laughs> yeah. Checks out. See, I watched it, it would have been in high school, so the 2000s. So to me, it's a 2000s film. Oh, right. And you're probably thinking I mean the 1990s, of course I'm meaning the 1790s. 1990s. <laughs> <laughs> so Robin was allowed to play the role without a script and he improvised most of his lines. Did he change the outcome of the war? Which is it's <laughs> <laughs> We won! And everyone Yay! had to be like, okay, yeah. He actually yeah. improvised the line, good morning, Vietnam. They're like, ooh, there's something in that. Oh, my God, he is good. I'm changing the name of the film. Um, it was initially going to be called According to Garp 2. <laughs> Back in the habit. The secret of the ooze. So the director said, we just let the cameras roll. Oh, sorry, that was from the producer, Mark Johnson. We just let the cameras roll. And Robin managed to create something new for every single take. What an editing nightmare. Yeah. Oh, the editor's just like pulling their hair out. Sounds like a co-star nightmare for an anxious person like me that's like, but we have a script that we could stick to. <laughs> that's right. You, everyone else, you have to stick to your script. So no matter what he says, you have to say what the script says. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what fine weather we're having. <laughs> yeah. He just said like, wow, look, an alien. And you're like, what fine weather we're having. What fine weather we're having. <laughs> Dinner's ready, darling. <laughs> Did you ever have that uh, when you were doing more acting, like learning acting stuff? Did you ever work with a cowboy who just wouldn't do the script? I was the cowboy. <laughs> <laughs> and she was a nightmare, let me tell you. Yeah, let me tell you. Yeah, Dave, anything? You would have been a cowboy, I reckon. Uh, no, no, I think usually people would stick to the script. Uh, I would say most drama students take the, take it very seriously. Right. Yeah, that's right. Maybe Everyone else would be like... seriously. Lighten up. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Half-time in the show, backstage people are like, what the fuck, man? You dropped one line out there. Come on. You dropped one word. Yeah. It's the most important word in that line. Yeah. Did you, um, did you ever work with someone who went on to be, like, really successful in acting? Even more than both of you? Absolutely not. No. no. You didn't ever work with Hugh Jackman or something? Yeah, Hugh Jack <laughs> Hugh and I started about the same time at Whopper. I'm really happy for him. Good on him, I say. No, I, I auditioned for a performing arts course and I didn't get in because I didn't get a high enough enter score, now called an ATAR, um, because I didn't do well enough in maths. Yeah, that makes sense. But I but I had a really good audition, so it I was like, okay, that's dumb. Um, but three girls from my drama class, and there were only ten in our entire drama class, three girls got into that course and none of them do anything within the arts now. Yeah, right. 
Right. But there's so many acting jobs in Australia. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But they don't like, I, oh, no, I thought one of them was going to be a drama teacher, but no, she works in visual merchandising. Um, I'm not sure what that yeah. is. No, that sounds like there's make, an extra word. Making shops look cool. Surely that's just merchandising. I guess you could do audio merchandising. Sure. She sells radio ads. <laughs> <laughs> Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience. Upload video content, organize your video library and showcase your content on beautiful video pages. You can even sell access to your video library by adding a paywall to your content. Cha-ching. <laughs> you can help with written content on your website with Squarespace AI, which I used to write this next sentence, so check this out. Generate instant, personalised results that know and show your brand identity. Explain what your site is about, choose your tone, and enter what you need to get short or long-form text. Squarespace AI, Squarespace AI makes it easier to go live, stand out, and succeed online. Oh, Dave, if only it could also not just write it, but read it too. <laughs> And edit it. <laughs> hey, sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses. Or sell files your customers can download like PDFs, music or ebooks. Man, it's starting to sound like I'm obsessed with money. <laughs> <laughs> and you are. So head to squarespace.com slash do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Anyway, um, in uh, 1986, Robin teamed up with Whoopi Goldberg and Billy Crystal to um, create Comic Relief USA. So it's an annual HBO, HBO television benefit devoted to the homeless. And as of 2014, it had raised $80 million. Wow. So they would wow. do this annual um, TV benefit and all these big names would come and perform and, yeah, it was crazy. There are clips of it in the doco and it looks like so much fun. And, um, yeah, the, the creator of Comic Relief, this guy called Bob Zamada, he said that Robin felt blessed because he came from a wealthy home, but he wanted to do something to help those less fortunate. And he does a fair bit of of philanthropy throughout his life as well, which I'll talk about later on. But between film roles and and working, he'd return home to the ranch where Valerie said he would just sort of switch off and recharge. A lot of people actually said in person he was pretty quiet. Um, it's He's sort of one of those people that when he's on, he's on, but he could definitely... That switch off. is interesting. I always just got the vibe, you know, from watching him, he's just always on when you're watching him, that he was like that all the time and that in private he might be a bit, you know, a bit much. But Have you ever it, seen him in private though, Dave? No. There you go. So that's interesting. You've only seen him in public. Yeah, I know. I think somebody like that, somebody being like that all the time would get exhausting. Yeah. They're a lot of fun but you'd also be like, I, I'm seriously just asking you if you've done the dishes yet. Yeah. Can you just answer me and not in an accent? <laughs> Whoa, did I do the dishes? Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, 
Okay, thanks. Okay, but I can see the dishes, Robin, and they're still there. (laughs) So I've had a bad day and I just want to talk to you about it. Um, He picks up the dishes and the dishes are having a conversation. Hey, have you been washed yet? (laughs) No, 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 I haven't seen it. Oh, my God. Hey, hey, who's in Yeah, I'm pretty good at that too. You know, the the, the Robin Williams impersonation and it ends up just being sounds. Because the hard part (laughs) of doing Robin Williams is... He thinks of words that whole time at that pace. Mm. Wild. Yeah, his brain is very quick. Was it Bob's? Sorry, Bob. Was that Bob's Zamuda? Is that the guy mm-hmm. that was Andy Kaufman's friend? Oh, Z-M- I'm not sure. Possibly. UDA. Yeah, he's. You know how? Yeah. So there was. I think he kept that Tony Clifton character going. That was sometimes. Oh. Yeah. So that he's um interesting guy in his own right. What, so how was he involved? He would, They were just a bit... Created comic relief. Right, okay, gotcha. Yeah. So, yeah, between roles he'd come home and he'd switch off and, and Valerie said she was struggling to manage the home. She was like, I didn't have an organised kind of brain. I had no sense of order. I was supposed to sort of be this homemaker but I didn't know how to do that. And so she hired a woman named Marsha uh, Garcies as... A nanny and to help around the house and to bring a sense of order to the house. That'll come up again later. Yeah, I'm wondering why you're mentioning this. Oh, okay. In 1988, Robin and Valerie divorced. And when I say it'll come up later, I mean it'll come up right now. (laughs) So in 1988, Robin and Valerie divorced. And tabloids widely reported that he'd run off with the nanny, Marsha. In the doco, Valerie explains that she and Robin had separated long before Robin and Marsha started a relationship. And even the way she describes their divorce is just that she was sort of like she had loved the Hollywood lifestyle and being like the adventure of being with Robin, but it became so much as he got so popular and so famous, it became too much for her and she's like, I didn't want that and we grew apart and we let each other go. Like she's so fucking zen about everything. She seems very cool. Um, And even what she says here because so she said they'd separated before Robin, you know, started a relationship with Marsha and she says everyone got carried away with the story and because I didn't counter it because I don't talk to the press, they got skewered and I'm sorry for that. I'm sorry for Marsha that she had to start her adventure with Robin in such an unpleasant way. Like she's so Mm. nice. She's so cool about everything. Wow. Yeah, she's really, really cool. So he married Marsha in 1989 and the same year they had their daughter Zelda and this was a this was a time of settling down for Robin. He'd, he'd sort of outgrown the fast-paced party touring lifestyle and, and he said he felt like he was getting his life together. And he also entered a period of work which proved he was more than a goofball. He was a talented actor who brought a great deal of pathos to his work. In 1988, he did Waiting for Godot with Steve Martin, which is insane, and, and Robin said he learned a lot from Steve about timing and how to use a pause to your advantage because he's talking about himself and he's like, in my act, I don't have any timing. Like I just, <laughs> he's just like, blah, 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 and watching Steve work, he was like, oh, okay, you can shut up for a sec and see what happens there. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. In 89, he uh, he played a private school English teacher in Dead Poets Society. It's another school, one I would have watched to that. Yeah. A real 90s feeling film. (laughs) Robin described the school that he went to, that sort of private boys' school, as this kind of vibe, like it was that sort of school. Right. Oh, wow. Um, And that final scene, some critics said, inspired a generation. It became part of pop culture. Oh, Captain, my captain. 
sort of this big iconic scene in this um, in that film. In Awakenings in 1990, he plays a doctor modelled after Oliver Sacks, who was a famous neurologist. And Oliver Sacks later said that the way Robin Williams' mind worked was a form of genius. And that's coming from a neurologist who did a lot of studies into the brain and stuff. So he's just sort of like he's hitting a really good stride with his um, with his acting work. In 91, he played an adult Peter Pan in the film oh, Hook. classic. Fuck, that was good. my favourite film at the time. I love that so it's much. It's great. I, I looked really it up recently film. and it, it, the critics didn't like it that much. And I think it's one of those ones where it's like, oh, this film wasn't for the critics. Kids at that time <laughs> loved it. I knew everyone I knew loved it. How about when he finally like can use yeah. his imagination and he sees Bang the food rain, and you're like, oh, <laughs> what a it's moment. so good. Dustin Hoffman, yeah. amazing. Shmee, shmee. Julia Roberts is in it. Yeah, yeah. Breakout So role. good. Anyway, huge for her. Um, Monty Python's Terry Gilliam said Robin had the ability to go from manic to mad to tender and vulnerable. He had the most unique mind on the planet. There's nobody like him out there. Terry directed him in two films, so... That's what he's kind of basing that on. It's just like, it's just very cool to see the way that people speak about his work. So he's hit a really good stride and he's doing some some work which goes on to be seen as his best. And his personal life's going pretty well too. In 1991, his third child, Cody, was born. And the following year, his role as the genie in the animated musical Aladdin was written specifically for him. I think I think some people know that that was a role that was written for him. At first he refused since it was a Disney movie and he didn't want the studio profiting by selling merchandise based on the movie. Um, But eventually he agreed saying, I'm doing it basically because I want to be part of this animation tradition. I want something for my children. One deal is I just don't want to sell anything, as in Burger King, as in toys, as in stuff. Just didn't want them to make merch. So it's not specifically... I swear I've seen a genie toy. Oh, I reckon I had one. From McDonald's. And Mac, has, Mac has definitely had a genie, right? That one, yeah. Yeah. And do you, th- do you get the feeling it's like he doesn't want corporations in general to profit or is, he, is it Disney that he has a problem with? Yeah, I well, I think it was corporations, yeah, because it's saying like toys and Burger King and stuff like that, which surely Disney would have to have some kind of relationship with them. I don't know. Yeah, but he was sort of like I didn't, he didn't want corporations but he wanted something for his kids and he wanted something. He wanted to jump on the bandwagon because animation was getting big. Animation was getting yeah. big. Yeah, that's it all. It all took Fucking off in idiot, the 90s. Yes. <laughs> that's why they call it the second golden age because <laughs> it finally <laughs> was taken off for the first time. Before that, they hadn't thought of drawing pictures. Wow, moving images. <laughs> Amazing. So no surprise that Robin improvised much of his dialogue, um, recording approximately 30 hours of tape. <laughs> Oh, again, editing nightmare. Yeah, and also, yeah, there's a script for all the other actors. Um, But he impersonated dozens of celebrities in character, including Ed Sullivan, Jack Nicholson, Robert De Niro, Groucho Marx, Rodney Dangerfield, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Arsenio Hall. And his role in Aladdin became one of his most recognised and best loved and the film was the highest grossing movie of 1992 winning numerous awards, including a Golden Globe for Robin. Absolute classic. Yeah, that was a classic. I saw that at the cinemas up in Albury. Did you? On Dean Street, Albury. I remember. <laughs> you remember? You remember every movie and where you well, saw yeah, it? Well, especially that's what um, Alistair reckons that's <sighs> my secret that talent. You. But it, it's definitely fading as my memory fades. But I do remember most of the 
uh, childhood movies. It was a rainy we, day. Did you we love staying it? in Bright and we the family drove up because there wasn't much to do in, in Bright. We were just locked up in, in our little holiday place that we were renting. So, yeah, drove an hour up to Albury to watch a film and we watched Aladdin. It was sick. That's great. It's a good film. I think maybe my parents went and saw Michael Collins, if I'm thinking of the same trip. So they, oh, wow. the kids went to Aladdin, parents went to Michael Collins. You had different experiences that <laughs> yeah. day. In um, in 1993, he said, hello, in his role in Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> Director Chris Columbus said watching him work was a magical and special privilege. His performances were unlike anything any of us had ever seen. They came from some spiritual and otherworldly place, which is nice. It was just hit after hit. Jumanji came out two years later in 1995. Oh, we loved that. Oh, my goodness. Had the board game, the video. Oh, yeah. I think I was too scared to watch it. But 95, I was five. I've since seen it. Anyway, um, he continued to have a successful career playing a wide variety of roles over the next decade. Films like Patch Adams in 98, What Dreams May Come, also Patch in 98, Adams. Bicentennial Man, Dave, oh, 99. Fantastic. Patch Adams obviously is going to be a real funny film. He's a clown doctor, so he's going to be in there <laughs> clowning about being a doctor. <laughs> it's all going to be fun and yeah. funny. Oh, no. Oh. It's going to be such oh, a no. light-hearted movie and, and nobody's going to criticise this guy. Oh, oh no. no. Oh. I just oh, looked no. at Michael Collins came out four years after Aladdin, so that was on a different trip to Dean Street, Albury. <laughs> oh, the memory really is fading. Yeah, My that, God. Oh, wow. Sad. We're worried about you, Maddie. <laughs> Your greatest gift. No, I am start. I'm still can remember when I where I saw the film, but remembering where and when my parents saw films, that skill is <laughs> that, starting to that's... fade. But if you're always exactly four years off, you (laughs) can sort of compensate for that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Other films like Insomnia in 2002, One Hour Photo as well, and Angriest Angriest Man in Brooklyn. Yeah, I love photography. This is going to be fun. (laughs) (laughs) This will be fun. (laughs) I haven't seen that, but apparently that's great. Yeah, I haven't seen it either. But these films showed Robin's range and dramatic abilities as well as his ability to play layered comedic roles. That's the thing too. I reckon One Hour Photo was one of the first movies where I registered people were talking about Robin Williams in like a serious yes, I feel that a serious too. role. And yeah, and people were kind of like, wow, you know, it's so cool to see this comedian become like it's it's great when they can transition and, and be really good actors. But it's like, no, he trained, like he was a really good actor. He is and what, you know, like it was. He can raise a hat with his eyebrows. <laughs> okay. It's funny if you see it. Eric Idle in the doco is explaining watching Robin perform one night and I can understand the bit is funny but seeing someone retell a bit, not funny. Okay. So then he gets, like the, he gets his shoes and he gambles. They're untied the entire time. Can you believe that? Can you believe that? The bit was that, like, Robin was on stage and he just had this one really persistent heckler and Robin had everyone else in the audience all pray together for little Timmy up the back that he will die. <laughs> like, he just had the audience praying for the death of this annoying heckler. That sounds which, brutal. Which, like, in the, in the moment in the audience I'm sure would have been a bit of fun, hopefully. Um, but retelling it, you're like, okay. It's not funny, Eric. And was Eric like, and I was one of those people praying for this young man to die. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Eric was, Yes. <laughs> Uh, he also continued, Robin also continued to provide voices in other animated films, including Fern Gully, The Last Rainforest. Anyone else remember Fern I never Gully? I Fern Gully, but I do remember, yeah, it, I remember oh. it getting some good heat 
in the a lot of hype on the playground. Yeah. <laughs> loved it, loved it. Don't remember a single thing about it. Loved it though. Remember loving it. Robots as well in two thousand and five, and Happy Feet two thousand and six. So a lot of animated stuff as well. In uh, in March two thousand and eight. His wife, Marsha, filed for divorce from Robin, citing irreconcilable differences, and they div- their divorce was finalised in 2010. And he married his third wife, graphic designer Susan Schneider, on October 22nd, 2011. So like we mentioned before, when Belushi died, Robin said it, it sobered the shit out of him, but he had a couple of struggles with alcohol over the course of his lifetime. In 2003, he started drinking again while he was working on a film in Alaska. He sort of talked about it and just being really isolated it sort of started as having a drink and then it, and then it became a problem so in 2006 he he checked himself into a substance abuse rehab center in Oregon um admitting that he was an alcoholic and years afterwards he acknowledged his failure to maintain sobriety but said he never returned to using cocaine it was just alcohol that he was having issues with and he had an um another admission to a rehab centre in mid-2014 um, for treatment of alcoholism. So, yeah, there's, that's just one sort of part of his life as well. Um, he had some other sort of health issues. In March 2009, he was hospitalised due to, a, to heart problems. He postponed um, his one-man tour for surgery to replace his aortic valve um, and to correct irregular heartbeat. It was pretty big heart Having surgery. a mother who's a car, valves are very important uh, for him. Yeah. So important. And this is something that his good friend Billy Crystal <laughs> knew because while Robin was in surgery, Billy left multiple voicemails on his phone as a character called Vinny the Valve Guy as if Robin was an old car that mechanics were working true? <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah. You're working on Billy Crystal's level over That's there, man. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> multiple messages and then said so that Robin would wake up and have all these oh, voicemails. Nice. Billy talks about... Uh, the phone calls he'd see like he'd see the area code and know that it was Robin calling and he'd answer it would always be a different character and the voicemails that he would leave on Billy Crystal's um voicemail were really funny which is nice they had a really cute friendship so Robin made a great recovery from surgery um and he said it gave him a sense of a of appreciating life and slowing down a little he was he was on David Letterman eight weeks later wow slowing right. so, down. So he slowed down for about two months yeah, but no, like he, yeah, he talked about it just yeah, giving him a bit of appreciation. In um in 2014, he was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. Um, it's a prog- progressive degenerative neurological condition that affects the control of body movements, but it has a lot of symptoms beyond the tremors that we associate it with. Heaps and heaps of things like insomnia and depression and dementia and and lots and lots of things. Obviously not every person's going to have every symptom, but it's still a pretty full-on diagnosis. And Billy Crystal said that when Robin told him that he'd been diagnosed, it was the first time that he'd seen Robin scared. He was like, I'd never seen fear in him and I, and I saw it then. And unfortunately, a few months later, on August 11, 2014, at his home in Paradise K, California, Robin Williams was found dead having taken his own life. Some media outlets claimed alcohol was involved, but the final autopsy stated that neither alcohol nor illegal drugs were involved and prescription drugs present in his body were at very normal therapeutic levels. There was nothing sinister. The autopsy also provided a really important piece of information. Examination of his brain tissue suggested Robin had suffered from diffuse 
Lewy body dementia. It's similar to Parkinson's, but it acts a different way in the brain. And his wife, Susan, revealed that in the year before his death, he'd experienced a sudden and prolonged spike in fear and anxiety, depression and insomnia, which worsened in severity to include memory loss, paranoia and delusions. So after his death, his family and friends spoke out a lot about the condition because they wanted to make it clear that Robin's brain was feeding him misinformation and that his feelings of depression were symptoms of the disease. Um, so his his wife, Susan, was sort of saying that um, uh, Louis body dementia is what took his life, right. essentially. Yes, I didn't realise yeah. that. Yeah, that, mm. um, yeah, I mean, that makes it all make so much sense. Yeah, I remember people, I remember hearing that it was alcohol and, and stuff like that. But, and I think the the Parkinson's diagnosis, I mean, he'd been unwell on and off for a while, but, you know, it took many, many doctors to diagnose and, and they said it's Parkinson's. But that, I don't think he publicly said anything about it. And so that came out after he died. Right. But then it seems that that was actually misdiagnosed and instead it was this other thing that, yeah, basically he, his brain was lying to him. and, wow. and he, yeah, That is awful. It's so, so awful, yeah. Um, but, yeah, his, his family spoke about it quite a lot. And his death was global news. Tributes flowed from everywhere. His daughter Zelda Williams responded to his death by saying, the world is forever a little darker less colourful and less full of laughter in his absence. And President Barack Obama released a statement upon Robin's death and it's quite nice. He says, Robin Williams was an airman, a doctor, a genie, a nanny, a president, a professor, a bangerang Peter Pan and everything in between. But he was one of a kind. He arrived in our lives as an alien but he ended up touching every element of the human spirit. He made us laugh. He made us cry. He gave his immeasurable talent freely and generously to those who needed it most, from our troops stationed abroad to the marginalised on our own streets, which is That's a really nice, nice yeah, yeah, wow, really nice so statement nice. there. That's oh, great. I yeah, wow. That's um, that's summed up very nicely, Barack. Or yeah. whoever wrote that for Barack. <laughs> exactly. It's summed up very nicely Barack's uh, speed driving team. <laughs> yeah. They've done a beautiful yeah, job that there. Is, that is super nice. A couple of things that I didn't know, I've listed them here as fun facts. They're not that fun, but they're just a little bit lighter rather than ending on the death of a legend. Um, yes, we all knew it was coming, sadly, but... Well, you yeah. didn't mention that uh, but, Coco um, the gorilla also... Of course, was, yes! friends and... Yes. Uh, we talked about an episode of Primates about dedicated to Coco the gorilla and apparently, yeah, he hung out a bit and then when Coco was told the news, Coco did signed sadness. Yeah, Sad. Yeah. Oh, very sweet. that's so awful. I think whoever was the guest on that episode was like, did they need to tell Coco? <laughs> 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 would Coco would it, know would otherwise? <laughs> Why'd you have to yeah. bum out a gorilla? <laughs> Um, so as a sort of way of coping with his addiction and sort of getting out of the habit of uh, drugs and alcohol and stuff, he took up cycling and he became a really devoted cycling enthusiast. Um, eventually he accumulated a, a large bicycle collection and became a fan of professional road cycling, often travelling to racing events like the Tour de France. 
And in 2016, a couple of years after he died, his children donated 87 of his bicycles in support bicycles. of the challenged athletes. <laughs> I know. In support of um, two foundations, Challenged Athletes Foundation and Christopher and Dana Reeves Foundation, his, his close friend. That's a wild amount of bicycles. I know, 87 of them. And that, I, I don't yeah. know if that's all of them. <laughs> they didn't say all of them. They said 87 of them. they keep a couple each them. as well? <laughs> we decided yeah. to donate 10% of our father's collection. I don't Why would you have so many bikes? It feels like a bike's the kind of thing where you go, oh, maybe you've got, this is my road bike and this is my mountain bike or something. If you were. Yeah, two bikes. If you, were, if you had the money. <laughs> but 87, that, yeah, oh, this one I bikes. ride when it's slightly rainy. <laughs> This one, when it's cloudy, but no rain. It's probably like Jay Leno and cars, yeah, you know? Yeah, just, just, just people coll- collect. I don't think he rides them all. Yeah, he collects them. Who people knows? do that with shoes. He made ones, um, These ones are funny colours. Limited edition yeah. bike. I just bought four pairs of shoes, so. Whoa. Four in one go? Yeah. Yeah, and um, Aiden has one pair of shoes. How many <laughs> do you have in total? I don't know. Too much. i got a few. I got a few pairs of shoes. I've got wow, too much reckon... shoes. You, got too much shoes. You, you count them like water. It's not. They're not individual. They. I have a tap, a shoe tap. I turn on the shoe tap. Oh, too much shoe. Too much shoes. <laughs> too much shoe. Turn off the shoe tap. That's fun. I didn't realize you had a shoe tap. You don't have a shoe tap in your I, house. I don't. Well. It, oh my god. Yeah, it runs dry very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> um, Robin made. Uh, multiple appearances at benefits to support literacy and women's rights, along with appearing at benefits for veterans. He was a regular on the USO circuit where he travelled to 13 countries and performed to approximately 90,000 troops. Um, He did that a lot. After his death, the USO thanked him for all he did for the men and women of our armed forces. It's pretty crazy. It really, like what Barack Obama said, I don't know why, I'm not on first name basis with... Barack Obama, or what Barack was saying before, but yeah, how he touched every section of like he played. Yeah. He seemed he played so such a diverse cast of characters in terms of yeah. the professions. I guess that's probably what every actor would do, though, over a career. I assume play lots of different things. Yeah, but, you would hope, or you're being typecast as a doctor. But his, it <laughs> seems like a lot of his. Yeah, that's true too. It does seem like a lot of his were occupation based. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, like when he played Genie. that fast growing boy. Peter Pan, <laughs> Bicentennial Man. <laughs> yeah. All right, okay. Robot. <laughs> I'm not usually little, so a... quickly proven wrong. Man who eats spinach to become a strong sailor. Well, a yeah. sailor though, right? Occupation. You're focusing on the spinach, but the occupation was sailor. I thought his occupation was spinach enthusiast, but you're all right. right. You're all right. You're all right. Um, he, in response to the 2010 earthquake in... Christchurch, he did. He donated all proceeds of his weapons of self destruction performance to help rebuild Christchurch. Wow! So another eighty seven bikes. That's why they got so many of those um, those like renter bikes around. They're just all Robin Williams bikes. <laughs> it's crazy. Christchurch is such a beautiful city. Jeez, it's had a oh, tough run lately. So beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, I was there for that most recent tough run. Um, Years after the f- um, the films came out, Janet Hershenson revealed in an interview that Robin Williams had expressed interest in portraying Hagrid in the Harry Potter film series. Oh, wow. But was rejected by Chris Columbus due to the British only 
they were, uh, they were having yeah. only British actors. But can you imagine Robin Williams as Hagrid? Would have would have been a very different tone. <laughs> You're a wizard, Harry. Oh, it. hey, ho, ho, ho! Justin's sort of talking about it. He does have range. You can play it pretty straight. I wonder how. Yeah. I wonder if he would have played it sort of small. <laughs> Just play a giant small. Well, the director of One Hour Photo was saying that, like, between takes, he would be classic Robin Williams. And the director kind of figured out that if he let Robin just play and get all that sort of energy out, he would get an even better performance from him when they were when they were rolling. He's like he just had like a glow about him. Then he was like there was an energy about him. That's the same uh, method we use for tiring out our dog. Yes, <laughs> take it for yeah, a long. Let him walk, get it out of him. <laughs> get it out. And yeah, then, or toddlers. Yeah. And then we start filming, and of course, he gives an Academy Award worthy performance. But. God, you've got a good dog. Well, speaking of awards, actually, um, just to finish off, I've got like a list here. Um, so he won one Academy Award, was nominated four times, four Grammys, three Emmys, six Golden Globes, being nominated for 12, as well as two MTV Awards and two SAG Awards. So he won a lot of awards and was a nom- nominated so for a lot more. What, he, what is he, three of four and an EGOT, is it? Where he just missed the Tony? Yeah, yeah. So he's got Emmy, Emmy, Grammy and Oscar? Yeah. Wow. And if they counted Golden Globes? And Golden Globes. He'd be really. And if they counted MTV MTV Awards, oh, my God. I'm watching the Best Picture Oscar movies in reverse order. I've just watched the the most recent four, and I'm starting to think maybe MTV Picture of the Year is more my speed. Yeah. (laughs) Probably a bit more fun. (laughs) I had a look, and they are all Avengers films. Recently, there's a lot of uh, Marvel movies. Have been what kind there. of loser would watch all of the Marvel <laughs> films in some kind of order? Uh, what kind of lame person I would, say would bother? Probably a lot of people, and they're all great people. <laughs> Jess, don't be so hard on yourself. Have you got through them all? Yeah, I've done. I finished them. You, you did that and now. I feel empty, too. and I actually had to slow down at the end. I'd space them out at the end. And how many is it? Ninety-five films. <laughs> it's like 20-something, I think. It feels like 95, wow. yes. As soon as the movie called Ant-Man came out, I was like, wow, okay. <laughs> all right, they're doing, all. The they're doing them all. They're doing them all. I love fun. the Ant-Man one. I know. I know people love it, uh, but it just, it just made me laugh not being super into they're, the, Paul, the they're often I wasn't it. aware of him. I think they're yeah. often the big fan, Marvel fans don't rank the Ant-Man ones that high, but I, I find them really fun. I just Paul Rudd's like Paul really Rudd. hot yeah, too. Yeah, Paul Rudd's hot. And uh, who's the cop in one of them? Randall Park. Randall Park. I love Randall Park You always Park so forget much. Randall Park. I can never, he's one of my favourite actors. I can never remember his name. It's a great name too. <laughs> he's great. He's, he's so funny. funny. Which one's he in or is he in both? Second one. The second one. I've got to watch it again. Ant-Man and the Wasp. I watched that uh, at, the, at the cinemas, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Where? Yeah. Where were you? Where? Come on. Uh, it was uh, at the Nova... In Carlton. Okay. okay. And what were mum and dad watching? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where were mum and dad? Mum and dad well, dropped me off. Yeah. Uh, they were watching. <laughs> they went to watch uh, an adult film. Let's... Not an adult <laughs> film, sorry. <laughs> a film <laughs> aimed at an adult too. audience, if you know what I mean. Yeah, they watched yeah. Uh, the porn version of Ant-Man. Dave, what's it called? Pant-Man. <laughs> Pants-Man. <laughs> Not my best. Dave, what do you got? Well, Pants-Man's really good. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think you can beat that, Dave. Jess, you nailed it. Thank you. Or Aunt, Finally. Aunt Dick. 
No, that's... It's where a guy who's able to shrink the size of his dick way down. <laughs> and then they fi- finally figure out they can... What's the giant version of Ant-Man, Bob? It's called, like, Gigantor or something. Oh, he's just still just Ant-Man. Oh, but he's... I think in the comics he had a different name. Anyway. Right. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it's that only dick. Gigantor dick. <laughs> it's his spin-off character. All right. Maybe they didn't jump the gun at all. <laughs> I just remembered... Um, one more thing to add, if I may, which is nice, because Robin said his his children gave him a great sense of wonder. And uh, in 2019, Zach, his eldest child, and his fiancée, Olivia, announced the birth of their son, McLaurin Mickey Clements Williams, and McLaurin is Robin's middle name. And then Cody, his youngest son, and his fiancée were married on July 21st of last year on what would have been Robin's 68th birthday. So his kids honouring him in that way, which is nice. That's nice. Thanks for yeah, having that's some my... nice facts at the end. Yeah, it's like here's some nice stuff. That's my report on Robin Williams. Oh, that's great. Great work, Bob. Oh, that was really cool. I Yeah, I kind of assumed I would have known uh, all about him. But, yeah, I had that idea in my head that he was like a lot of comedian actors who start in comedy and then move into serious acting, like Jim Carrey, I assume. But maybe now I'm doubting that. Did he start... Studying drama as well. Maybe, but I'm I'm confident Adam Sandler didn't. <laughs> but boy, he's tried to do some serious roles. And he's done them pretty well. <laughs> yeah. Mr. Big was good. <laughs> wasn't I watched a, wasn't um, a serious one. I watched his recent Halloween one last night where he plays he plays sort of the Bobby Boucher character from Waterboy, only he's in a in the what's the town where the witch trials were? Salem. Salem. So he's in Salem and it's Halloween, but he's really scared of Halloween uh, as well. And then. What is this movie? Is this a serious movie? It's called Hubie Halloween. No, he plays like it's. Yeah, he plays a. It's weird that he's still playing characters like this, but it's. You ever see The Water Boy? It's a very Water Boy, you know, where he's sort of. Hey, I'm I'm Tinder. That sort of character. And and this was made recently. Yeah, it came. It was released this week, I think. Oh, wow. Are you the only person who's watched it? <laughs> it was ranked number five on Netflix in Australia. So wow, wow. by and Netflix or apparently Adam Sandler's like he's um, he's one of their big stars. They he gets a lot of views. I really like the Shandman. I'm a big Shandman fan. And then I watched a YouTube video that suggests that all of Sandler's films are in the same universe because mm. there are a lot of like in this film. There was a family called the O'Doyles, like the bo- O'Donnell. O'Doyles. O'Doyle oh, no. rules. O'Doyle? From, um, it, oh, I thought it was O'Donnell. O'Doyle. O'Doyle rules. And yeah, there've been O'Doyle, O'Doyles in a lot of different films. Hey Jess, I've just looked up what he's known as when he becomes big. When that man becomes big, yeah. you want to have a stab? Big Ant Man. Giant Man. <laughs> How do they do it? That's good. That's I don't good. know how they come better, up with it. That is arguably better than Big Ant Man, though. <laughs> mm, I we can safely say that. Big Ant Man. Thank you. But I guess Big Ant Man would just be the size of a dog or something. Yeah, that's a fucking big ant. Holy shit! Yeah. Small dog. You'd run away Small from dog. that ant. Yeah. Holy shit! Small dog. Small dog. Like a chihuahua. That's still a big fucking ant. That was a great, great report. Great. Block Toba report. Oh, the third Toba. most. Uh, we were surprised, as, as you said at the top, Jess, that this is the mm. most vote, third most voted. But still, they've they've chosen a great one. That was yeah. a great report, and it's great because it's 
it, it's meant that all three have been, yeah, quite different so far. We had yeah. a, a, a famous murder trial, then we had a, a an explorer, a sort of harrowing journey, mm. and, and now a famous entertainer biography. There's a really good documentary called Robin Williams' Come Inside My Mind. It came out in 2018 um, and it gave me a lot of great info for this. Uh, so if you want to check it out, I would highly recommend. But as always, all of our references and stuff will be in the uh, description of the episode. Great work, Bopper. Um, Thank you. I... I also I just had a, a quick look to see some other notable Juilliard School alumni, if you have got any interest. Robin Williams is the first one listed. Cool. Uh, and Christopher Reeve is right up there. Kevin Spacey, Mandy Patinkin. Yes, Mandy Patinkin was in Robin's year, yeah. Oscar Isaac, Nina Simone. Wow. Uh, John Williams, the composer. So I'm mm-hmm. guessing he did music. I'm guessing Nina S- Simone probably did music as well. Barry Manilow, Pat Benatar. <laughs> Pat Benatar, cool. Yeah. Barry Manilow. Sid Caesar. <laughs> Alan Greenspan, the economist. It's, it's, oh. just been, it's a really, it's quite a, a broad range of um, just big names. And then a lot of names I've never heard of as well. Val Kilmer is a name I have heard of. <laughs> <laughs> it's a weird name standing out to me. I don't know. Philip don't know Glass, Val Kilmer. another composer. Um, yeah, so, oh, Kyle Gass from Tenacious oh, D. Oh, Tenacious D. That's cool. I wonder what... It, Went to Juilliard. That's cool. Wonder, yeah, I think, I'm guessing oh, he did music Cage. Cage. Sorry, Cage. <laughs> it's the only way. <laughs> the funniest duo. Oh, my God. Yeah, they're great. That's so good. Uh, all right, so this brings us to everyone's favourite section of the show, the fact, quote, or question section, which has a little jingle that goes a little something like this. Fact, quote, or question. He always remembers the ding. And to get involved in this, you go to patreon.com slash pod, linked in the show notes, and you then get involved in the Sydney Schoenberg Deluxe Memorial Edition package, rest in peace level, uh, or some version of that. And once you're on board there, you'll get a link and you can give us a fact, a quote, or a question. If you are on that level and you are confused by that, send me a message. I'll hook you up. Um, through Patreon? Through Patreon. Yeah, send us a Patreon message. Now, or just on his phone number. Yeah, it's give us a text. 04. <laughs> <laughs> You've said too much. I wish I wish I knew your number off by heart, but I don't even know mine. Yeah, I I know mine and it's you just don't have to do that like you used to. I know my parents' home line, uh, line yeah. if they still live and have it. My parents just got rid of their landline, <laughs> so I know mum's, but I'm fucked for dad. I don't know. Mm. I usually just call mum. Yeah. Say, can I talk to dad? Dad's, my dad's got a mobile, but very rarely has it on him. Yeah, it's a dad thing. It's just he keeps it as a landline, basically. Oh, I just yeah. keep it at home next to the landline phone. <laughs> my grandpa used to famously keep it plugged in inside the pantry. <laughs> he couldn't even hear it ring, even if you fam- were in the... I love how famously, world famous, everyone well, knew in him. My fa- everyone knew. In my family, which is obviously yeah. a, I, yeah, that's a pretty family, famous family. A worldwide family. I love the idea that he got famous outside the family for that. Everyone yeah, knows everyone knew him. the Warnicky grandpa. Hey, you're the guy, the pantry guy. <laughs> pantry phone guy. Yes, it's me, former Q. So you, if you're involved on the Sydney Schomburg level, you get to give us a fact, a quote, or a question, and we do four each week. You get to choose the fact, a quote, or the question, obviously, and you also get to give yourself a title. Firstly, this week, we've got Paul McNally. I wonder if he any oh. relation to Rand. Rand McNally. <laughs> <laughs> it's the first, is that the first place, the only... I don't even know what that means. Is that the brand of Atlas or something? But Yeah, they, they're a famous Atlas right, production. Right, because Bart points to it 
on the globe. We'll we'll call anywhere on the globe, and then they end up calling <laughs> Australia. But first, he points to Rand McNally. Uh, hopefully, Paul is from the Rand McNally Empire. Paul's given himself the title resident life coach and guidance counselor against submitting Patreon submissions drunk. Brackets, fuck's sake. (laughs) 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 Interesting. All right. So Paul's given us a fact, and here it is. Being my job, I like medical facts. (laughs) Uh, That's a fun start. Uh, Being my job. (laughs) Do we know what the job is? No. Well, okay. I, as far as I know, he's a resident life coach and guidance counsellor. Being my job, I like medical facts. I think this one is reasonably well known, but here you go. In the age before anesthesia, oh no, anesthesia and antibiotics. Am I saying that right? Yeah. Okay, great. In the age before anesthesia and antibiotics, speed of surgery was key to patient survival. Oh, of course. Or so it was thought. Oh no. Surgeons would race to operate the quickest, giving rise to weird scenarios. In 1847, <laughs> Robert Liston performed a leg amputation in 28 seconds. He, oh, he accidentally cut through his assistant's finger. He worked <laughs> so fast. Both the pa- his patient and assistant's uh, and assistant died of gangrene, and someone in the viewing gallery died of shock from the gore, leaving this as the only surgery ever to have a 300% mortality rate. <laughs> How do you do it in 20? He also used That's an axe. That's a chainsaw. Oh, this is probably before the yeah. days of chainsaws. Yeah, he's just axed it off. The person in the crowd, what were they expecting to see? Even if they didn't cut the finger off, they were there to see a leg amputation. Yeah. So it's going to be gory. Yeah. Why the fuck are you watching that? He accidentally dropped a ju- junior mint. <laughs> 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 oh, here we go. Sorry, Paul has told us his um, job before. He works as a ra- radiographer, mainly with X-ray and MRI. Fantastic. Gotcha. Yeah. I knew because it, it, it was talking to us like it was continuing the conversation. I just forgot that he had told us that the last time he gave us a fact or quote or question. Thank you so much, Paul. That was a great fact. That is a, that's, yeah, that feels like a mini report almost. That's the, I feel like that's the most uh, condensed report we've ever had. Great work, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the next one comes from Roy Phillips, who's given himself the title of Chief Proprietor of Bombardier Beer. <laughs> Love it. Is that? Did he write down his actual job title? <laughs> uh, these are all actual job titles, Dave. So <laughs> okay, Dave. Oh my god! Watch the chewed. Okay, <laughs> resident grade three teacher. <laughs> Dave, we've got you chewed at about eleven. I need to dial that back to a four or a five. So Roy has a question. You ready for this? Yes. Thought I'd mix up a classic question with a bit of do go on spice. Ooh. Ooh, Which person that you've covered as a topic? or has been a topic, would you like to have as a dinner guest? Dolly Parton. Ooh, good good one. But I'd make her bring a guitar. (laughs) (laughs) You wouldn't just have one ready. You'd go, you better bring your fucking guitar, Dolly. That's true. I've got a guitar. She could use that. Well, she's like, you know, when people are on the way, I'm on my way now, need me to pick up anything on the way. Yeah, your guitar. guitar. Yeah, because politely you go, just bring yourself. I've got everything sorted. I'd like, just bring yourself and your guitar. (laughs) And warm up your vocals on the way. Me, me, my, mo. Because we're having a sing-along. Okay. I'd say mine would be D.B. Cooper. So many questions. Oh, yeah, that's a, that's a good one because you can go, who are you? Yeah. <laughs> and he'd say his name and I'd be like, oh, oh. I don't know who that is. Yeah, isn't that, that's the funny thing. I'd be yeah. like, oh, okay. But I'd want to know, I'd be like, did you live 
what happened yeah. to the money, all that sort of stuff. Imagine did, asking like, a guy at your house, did you live through it? <laughs> did you live through that? Oh, no. I'm imagining that this is like you can have yeah. anyone dead or alive. That's probably true. Yeah. Um, oh. That's a... Matt, why did you say that's a good one to Dave um, in such a oh. way that implied mine wasn't a good one? To be honest, Bob, if I could be invited to one of these in Sidecard, it would definitely be your dinner party. <laughs> I'd be like, Dave, tell oh. us about it later. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Mine, mine's good for the info, which I can bring back to the show, but it's probably not a great night. Oh, well, okay, I'm, <laughs> it's just a I'm guy. Be, he's a dreamboat after all. Yeah. yeah. Just look in those eyes if you can. But, but he's wearing his, specs the whole time. His dark sunglasses. Uh, oh, man, I, I don't know. Bigfoot? No, it's hard, hey. What about? Great, yeah. Could give you a piggyback. That'd be nice. <gasps> oh, no, Wee! hang on. The lizard man <laughs> from... Uh, well, oh, what would be on the menu then? Yeah, oh. you know what you're serving for dinner? Butter beans. <laughs> butter beans. The thing you got to remember is a lizard <laughs> man loves butter beans. That's a good question. I I feel like there'd be there'd be a hundred different people I would love to have over. Absolutely, of course. that would be a good question. I reckon um, for people to let us know who. Oh uh, yeah, it's great. Love to hear that. Actually, yeah, definitely um, uh, tweet at us. Maybe reply to this episode. Who who would you love to have dinner? With from uh, the body back catalogue. I lost myself mid sentence. The next one <laughs> comes from Gary J from the UK. Gary and J. Carrie, I thought last week we had uh, Batal, oh sorry, Battle, who gave themselves the title Egg Hater. And we're like, wow, that's the most succinct title we've had, I think. Well, Gary J from the UK has gone one better. His title is Mr. Which is great. <laughs> Mr. Gary J. Very good, I thought that Gary. was his father. <laughs> Mr. Gary J from the UK is my father's name. Just <laughs> uh, call me Gary J. And Mr. Gary J has asked a question also. His question is, if there was no pandemic and money wasn't an issue, what's something you'd love to do? What's something you'd love to do or go? Or somewhere you'd love to go or do? Oh, my God. That's uh, I've not read that very well, and he's all, he's given an answer for himself. But maybe we'll give ours first. Okay, mine would be to go on the trip that I plan to go through for my thirtieth birthday, which is the African safari. Oh, were you mm. going to have an African safari? Holy yeah, I was going to go for, at the end of August. Oh damn it! My. I did. I why did, did I know that? Yeah, I'm sure I've talked about it. That's amazing. Sorry, Jess Dave. and I both had to cancel overseas trips. Mm. Yeah, mine. I would have. Uh, We've sort of been thinking about and hoping to do like a a big trip, you know, a couple of months of seeing lots of places, so all around the US or Canada or something like that. If if I if there was no pandemic and money wasn't wasn't an issue, I would take off for like four months and see a lot. I reckon I'd do a really big trip. It's the best. They're the yeah. Some of yeah. my happiest memories are just traveling where there's no. It just feels like you've got all the time in the world. Once yeah. you have four months plus, or probably even a couple months or more, it just feels like you got so much time. So just yeah, everything that's feels my plan different. when the world opens up again. Love it. Um, yeah, Maybe I guess fiftieth. My obvious one would be to do the American tour that we had planned. Mm. And that it's a similar idea. It would be a longish trip traveling around America. Would be so good. Uh, I was also meant to go to do my first Edinburgh Fringe Festival. That would have been, I mean, yeah, apart from all the things that I was meant to do anyway, on a smaller scale than that, 
Uh, well, I was, I was, yeah, I had a few things that I was uh, I had coming up that I would would have loved to have done, but on a smaller scale, I'd just love to have a day in a beer garden with friends, drinking beers in the sunshine. It would be so nice. Yep, that would be great. Uh, yeah. Much smaller scale, yeah, I'd love to go, you know, down the coast somewhere, a couple of hours away. Mm, I'd love to That'd go. That'd be fine, thanks. Yeah. I'd love to go to Rebel Sport. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to go to Rebel Just Sport. A, you know what, even closer, I'd love to go to my mum's oh, house. Yeah. Oh, wow. Dad lives there too, but um, <laughs> I picked. I always do that. I'm always like, I want to visit my mum, and then and people Dad. assume that my parents have split up or Dad's no longer alive or something. And I'm always like, Oh no, sorry, Dad's to, Dad's there too. Dad's there too. I picture I picture my folks at the beer garden. You too as well. Yeah, it'd be nice to be in the same room as you, you two. To you too. <laughs> you too. Bono's there. Edge, <laughs> uh, Gary Mullins Jr. And what? The, Fourth and final member. Did you, did you just call him Gary Mullins Jr.? <laughs> Larry Mullins Jr. <laughs> and it's Adam Clayton. Adam Clayton. Adam Clayton. Yeah, good point, Matt. It would be nice to be able to just do this in our normal oh, studio I'm so again. excited to be able to do that because for people outside of Melbourne, um, we're moving in the right direction, generally speaking. It seems like it's now starting to feel hopeful that maybe we'll be able to do the podcast in the same room by the end of the year, I Think, wow. Which is kind of nice, which will mean we'll also hopefully do some live streams so as well. So um, stay tuned Crossing for that. But, fingers. yeah, we yeah. need things to keep being positive in the world of mm. COVID. Uh, so Gary answered his own question here. He said, me and Nat, uh, my wife, like he said in <laughs> Borat voice. <laughs> my wife. <laughs> Thank you for that direction there, Gaddy. Um, he said, <laughs> Me and Nat, my wife, are turning 40 in four years and are saving up to go to Australia. And I really want to get in one of them cages and swim with a shark. Oh, that's cool. Whoa. That's a great one. I mean, we do that I all love- the time. So. <laughs> I, yeah, it's a very Aussie thing to do, so that's great. I love that kind of um, that forward planning of like, all right, for the 40th, let's go do this. That's awesome. You did that. I mean, you both did that for your 30th. You, maybe not four years, but you were talking about it for a good year or something, I reckon. That was, yes, that's that's true. And that <laughs> was the longest. What, what? About five minutes ago, Matt said, I've never heard that you wanted to go on a trip for your 30th. And now <laughs> you're like, right. you were talking about this for a year. I, you couldn't stop banging on I, about no, I it. Knew, I knew Jess was going to Hawaii for a year, I reckon. <laughs> and I knew you were doing a trip, but I thought I had it in my head you were going somewhere else. But we've also talked about it. I, at one point I was going to come to Africa with you, Dave. So maybe it just hit home that you were going without me, and um... oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, awful. We're past that. But the um the you you're right. I got tickets the flights to Hawaii in October of last year, and that's the furthest ahead I've ever booked a holiday. And it was only because there were like insane sail flights, and I was like, all right, well, what coincides with my birthday? Hawaii. Oh. Okay. Um, otherwise, I have never, ever planned a trip so far in advance, and I never will again because it didn't pay off, did it? Yeah, it's interesting because it, um, I think one of the best things about a holiday is the anticipation, looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, so the you planning, kind of got great yeah. value out of it without the the payoff of it. But about if, So that's the, that's the plus about booking ahead. But what you did mm. was just give yourself a brutal disappointment. Yeah. <laughs> A real deep cut. Mm. Uh, Dave, and, Dave and I were talking for a little while. Our birthday present for you was going to be um, we were going to give you a, a, an Hawaiian day at home. So we're going to buy you Hawaiian records, um, 
ingredients for Hawaiian <laughs> cocktails, Hawaiian shirt or two Hawaiian shirts and some decorations and stuff. And then someone pointed out, <laughs> which is something I didn't even consider all, they're like, you know, that might just really hammer home that she's not able to go to Hawaii. <laughs> I like that. I had not considered that angle. <laughs> <laughs> I'd I'd fully mourned the holiday, um, so that would have been nice. But I think you did very well with your generous birthday gifts this year. <laughs> That's is that was that too now much let's to go ask, back. Jess? Uh, that was the only reason I brought it up. Was yeah. <laughs> let's go back to never giving <laughs> gifts again. <laughs> Wait, when I turned thirty, uh, so. Um, Thank you so much, Gary Joe. That was a great one. Geez, that, that kicked off a bit of a combo. Um, and finally this week, Tom Goodall, who's given himself the title of Undersecretary for Underwear. Oh. Undersecretary. Okay. okay. And Tom has asked a question as well. Now that you guys are all over 30 and getting on in years, it's time to oh, consider gosh. writing your memoirs. What title would That's you right. give your autobiography? He says, I expect some mm. puns in the title. Well, I'm not... Dave will have to tell me if, if mine's got a pun in it or not because I don't really understand what a pun is. Mm. Uh, I want some kind of perk pun, I guess. Yeah, right. If he wants you know? puns, um, I've got art in the name there. Mine might just be something like, you know, Jess Perkins, a tortured artist. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I like that a lot. Uh, what, about like- what, about, what about Matt Stewart? A memoir. Oh, wow. Simple, (laughs) classic, yes, love it. No, it is not a pun. (laughs) Oh, damn it. Dave? Uh, What about the Matt Stewart story by Dave Warnicky? Ooh, throw him off. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Probably move a few more units because you have a more interesting (laughs) life and you've lived a lot longer. Um, What about like a (laughs) Warnicky, what is he good for? Yeah. Something like that. Oh, that's good. I think absolutely I've, nothing is the answer. You know That's the, what it says on the back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You flip it over. <laughs> my favorite chapter in my book will be how I was in Vegas when I turned thirty. Do you, you guys could probably relate to this being overseas for your thirty. <laughs> 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 my the best um, chapter in mine will be called Countdown. I had a horrific dream last night about Barnsey. What do you oh. mean? We all, like it was, it was reported in the media that he had been in hospital but he was fine, but then it came out that he'd actually been murdered and that they <gasps> put that story out there to try and catch the killer. Oh, and I, that is a, wow, you watch a lot of Poirot. Yeah. What a great, what a great concept for a dream. And I was working, Did you wake up and immediately Googled Barnsey? No, I hadn't thought about it. You know how it just, you don't really think about it until like that just jogged my memory and it was in the, it was really awful in the moment. We we're all very upset by it. Australia oh was in God. mourning. Oh, of course. I, I would 100% and be. I he, he had a great, he had a great uh, name for his autobiographies because his iconic solo song is Working Class Man. So he split it in two. The first one was called Working Class Boy, which covered his childhood, and then Working Class Man's the sequel to it. So that's pretty good. If we had a hit song, it would make it a lot easier. Yeah, that's right. Mm. Could we just call it Do Go On Theme Music? <laughs> How about that? By Evan Munro-Smith. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Altogether, we could, we'd, you probably have our, our um, autobiography, our joint autobiography could be called something like Do Go On and On or something. Oh, yeah. that's good. But, again, yeah. we've, already, we've had a big uh, 
lawsuit by that time, so mine's called Dave Go On. And people are like, that doesn't quite work. (laughs) Mine's called The Truth Behind Do Go On. (laughs) And it is scathing. Oh, my God. a saucy peek behind the curtain. Dave, you also did a similar bad wordplay one for the bonus episode, Dave Island Discs. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, I think I called it Desert Island Dave. Desert Island Dave. Desert Island Dave. Dave Island Disc makes even more sense, actually. (laughs) (laughs) You took out the disc part, which is the bit you were keeping. (laughs) So bad. Uh, But but so good. Yeah. Jeez, Tom, I reckon we've let you down. That's another one. If anyone's got any ideas for our autobiography titles, please uh, do send them through. Mm. I know some of our listeners are better uh, pun masters than we are ourselves. Not Which, to be honest, would not be that hard. <laughs> Beyond Dave, who is a genuine pun master. <laughs> um, it's a uh, master bows down before a king, let me just tell you. Uh, Matt, Matt, doormat. Is that, is that <laughs> Oh, wow. Do- the doormat book. Mm, that's a that, good one. That sounds shit. <laughs> it's just a book of doormats. Well, it's, no, it's a book about how... People have just walked all over me my whole life. Never treated me with respect. <laughs> if you want a, a good photo for the cover image, my doormat is half a watermelon. It looks real cute. Oh, that's great. That's nice. I've wiped my feet on that doormat, Jess. <laughs> Not for a while, though. Yeah, can't wait till we get to wipe our awful, awful shoes on your beautiful mat again. Can't wait to see your shoe tap again. Yeah. Wow. I'll show you, you the shoe tap. Pairs. Help yourself. Dave's only had one pair of shoes for 10 years, so he cannot relate. I got a new one recently for the birthday, so here's to 10 more years. We should get on to thanking some other patrons. Uh, We like to thank a few others along the way, uh, and Jess normally comes up with something, a little game to play from the show. I don't have time to think about it when I'm doing the report. Okay. Um, What was some funny stuff that came up? (laughs) Yeah, I guess it's uh, maybe like another weird cartoon to do a real-life version of. So he did Popeye as a, in real life even though it's a cartoon. So we could do, you know, like... What uh, they're the star of. Yeah. Uh, they're the star of a... Oh, don't waste know, like, it. I don't think there's that many. Okay. Well, <laughs> I, yeah, I think in... All right, well, can I kick it off? Yeah. Only if Jess has given us that the, the stamp of approval. Sure. Yeah, been no one... If you think of something better while I'm reading out this name, let us know. No, no, no. I think that's good. Giving them a giving them a movie title's good. I'm thinking, firstly, uh, from Nashville, Tennessee, home of country music, Eric Alba. Eric Alba. Uh, Maybe Eric could be in the film version of Lurleen Lumpkin with the real a human playing. Do you remember Lurleen Lumpkin? No. She's the country musician who um, was flirting with Homer. Oh, uh-huh, yeah. I'm asking. Oh. She asked if you'll bunk with her tonight. Bunk with me tonight. tonight. Yes, of course I remember but, Lurleen, yes. I mean, it's been, that storyline has been begging for a real-life big screen a live action. adaptation. Yeah. yeah, that cartoon definitely needs to be adapted into a cartoon. So maybe Eric Alba uh, plays Homer. And, yeah, who plays Lurleen Lumpkin? Maybe Jessica Alba. I yes. love it. Perfect casting. Yeah. That's really good. That's, that's good. really good. Have you ever seen The Simpsons made, like, what they would look like if they were real? Terrifying. They're yeah. always terrifying. Terriful. Yeah. Terriful. is a good word. I like that. Uh, what do you call those again? Smushing two words together? Christ-a-tunity. <laughs> <A> portmanteau. <laughs> portmanteau, that's it. Uh <laughs> 
The next uh, person I'd love to thank is from uh, apologies for the pronunciation. I'm going to say Luruk from Germany, I think. D-E. Dominic Schwind. Dominic Schwind. So wait, are we doing animated versions or live action versions? Live action versions of Of TV animated things. What about the Jetsons? Oh, yeah, that'd be great. I'd love to see a live action version of that. Lots of technology would be cool. Yeah, Yeah. that'd be really fun. That'd be fun. George Jetson. There's a billboard. (laughs) It's maybe like a jeweler or something called George Jensen, and it Mm. brings that theme song into my head every time. (laughs) George George Jensen. Jensen. Daughter Judy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, There was a Harvey Birdman episode that had the Jetsons in it, and it was like, um, it was very funny. They somehow were interacting with Harvey Birdman. They needed him to represent him in a case. And because from their reality, everything was just like um, travelators and stuff. Mm. So they came in the front door of Harvey Birdman's office. And they're like, where's the travelator? And none of all their they couldn't walk very well because they were used to just being travelated everywhere. So it's like <laughs> they're just very slowly walking. The dog dies on the journey. <laughs> it's going from night to day to night to day, and they're just making their way across to like the four meter walk <laughs> in the door. Very funny stuff. Uh, anyway, thank you, Dominic Schwind. Thank you, Dominic. Uh, who will play George Jetson? And finally, I'd love to thank from Waterloo in Ontario, Canada. Commit. If you're going to commit, commit. (laughs) Waterloo. I'd love to thank Zoe Helena. Zoe Helena. What about live? What about? Yeah. Oh, I was going to say Captain Planet, but I think College Humor or someone. Yeah. Don Cheadle was (laughs) Captain Planet. (laughs) Uh, What about Harvey Birdman, Attorney at Law? Do you know do you know that cartoon? Yeah, Very I do. Funny yep. stuff. I don't. But it sounds fun. It is really fun. Uh, and Why don't Zoe, I know it? Zoe could play Harvey or I can't think of any of the other characters in it. Well, you want title character, don't you? Yeah. Yep. So just playing Harvey. We're going to do a gender swap. I know that the fans of Harvey Berman, knowing how uh, the comic book community loves gender swaps in films, uh, I reckon they're going to be right on board with this. <laughs> they one. love a reinterpretation. Yeah, well, they do. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a it's a really fun cartoon. If uh, if anyone's looking for cartoon tips, there you go, Zoe Harvey Birdman from Waterloo. There was no Abba. She could play the real life version of the Abba cartoon. Yeah, if that is a real thing. Almost definitely is. Surely, at some the point, past was a different time in a lot of ways. Can I thank some people as well? Oh, please, Jess. Can you? <laughs> I would love to thank from Wingdale, New York. Kevin Packrad. Oh, the pack. Kevin Packrad. Have we not shouted out to Kevin Packrad before? How have we not? This feels like an error. <laughs> I feel like we must have. But if I guess we've got to commit from here because I'll have to go back through the bloody database. To Maybe we that. feel like we do because he has suggested so many oh, that is great topics. Yes, he has. All Maybe right. we feel like we've mentioned him in that way. Well, I feel like he's a pretty cool guy. So what if Kevin Packrad played Johnny Bravo? Oh, <gasps> good one. He's the guy with the big jaw. Yeah. And the big hair. And tiny yeah. legs. Oh, that's so And he good. says, hello, mama. <laughs> that's very good. He does do that. I want to, can I give, I just want to give Zoe one other option because sure. I feel like if people don't know, Blinky Bill. 
Real Life Koala, Blinky oh, Bill. Oh, she Zoe can play Nutsy if she wants to, or, Bill, <laughs> or Blinky. I want to give this Canadian another option she's definitely heard of, uh, Blinky Bill. <laughs> Blinky Bill, that had to be a big... Was that not a big international show? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All right, Zoe, right at the end I'll give you one third option. Why are you wasting all of these great I'm sorry, options? I'm sorry. We've got more people to go. Oh, okay. And I'm already out of ideas. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, yes, no, sorry, Jess, you're thanking people. Yes, I am, you piece of shit. So you stay in your lane, Dave. Well, I've got some name, some cartoons ready to go, so if you're desperate, right. let me know. I'm always desperate. Um, I'd love to thank from Oakland, California, I'd love to thank Michael Jahi Chappelle. Oh, Chappelle. Chappelle. Oh. Well, what about, uh, does anyone remember Hey Arnold? Oh, yeah, yes. Move it, football hey head. Arnold. Yes. <laughs> that's hey such Arnold, a good That's a really good one. I loved that one. I loved Hey Arnold. It yeah, was I was sick. a Hey Arnold fan. Good stuff. Loving that. Michael. So, do you think he's playing the titular Arnold? Yeah, with his big hair and a tiny little cap sitting in between the, the two tufts of hair. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's great. <laughs> and then watch when him and uh, Gerald, the best friend, put their thumbs together and it, went, and it made this noise that went, woo, 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 woo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that, that, if you think real-life Homer would be pretty full-on looking, I think Ugh. the real-life Hey Arnold would be something else. His head something literally else. is a football with ears on the other side. <laughs> His grandpa was nice too. Yes. Just saying. Um, and finally for me, I would love to thank from Vancouver in WA. What's Washington? Yeah, Washington, I reckon. Hmm. Yeah, Vancouver as well. Um, I'd love to thank Terry Salcido. Salcido. Ah, Terry. Well, Salcido. He loves his bread. He loves his butter. But most of all, he loves each other. Madeline. Yes. I think this might even be uh, Terry with an eye, potentially a woman. Oh, well, even better because she loves her bread. She yes. loves her butter. But most of all, most of all Terry love loves each other. each other. Madeline. Hey, Terry, congrats. One. You are now a French orphan. Oh. <laughs> but she's so happy all the time. Oh. Loves she's life. Madeline. She's Madeline. I love Madeline. Oh, so cute. And Pepito. Yes. There was a um a live action film, if I remember correctly, really? many, many years ago. It's time for a reboot. Okay. Potentially. I remember my nana taking my sister and I to see that. Oh wow. I can't tell you the name of the cinema. Sorry, Matt. Huh. Was it in Dean Street Albury? Yeah, and your parents were watching Titanic at the time. <laughs> <laughs> Dean Street Albury. I just it was always advertised on like regional TV up. Up around there, and every ad was Dean Street, Albury. It just seemed like such a magical place. Everything's just on the Dean Street, Albury. Dean Street, Albury. Wow. Albury's really got it going on. Oh, yeah, big time. Uh, yeah, the film came out in 1998. So there you go. Hmm. Almost checks out the Titanic. Almost. Yeah, was you're that, very close. Was that the cinema for so long? It potentially probably potentially does. So thanks, Terry. That's me done, Dave, if you want to bring it home. I want to bring it home now with uh, from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I'd like to thank Eddie Kuhn. Eddie I want to go with Kuhn. K-U-H-N. The what was the cartoon where his sister was D W? Arnold. Hey Arnold. No, that's Arthur. 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 Yes. I said that. When and you I... said Hey Arnold, that uh, popped into my head, Arthur, and I couldn't quite picture his name. And I know that. D W. I know that because my initials are D W. So I got a fair uh, bit of that. Yep. 
I know. I call you DW and I also call our friend Daniel Walker DW. So <gasps> it comes into my head a lot. There you go. Uh, so oh, Eddie, that's a good one. Eddie uh, maybe your name is Kun or Kun, so K-U-H-N. So I apologise for saying that wrong. But Eddie, you are the titular Arthur, the Aardvark. I think Eddie might even be, it might be Edie, E-D-I. I'm oh not going to stop correcting people's pronunciation, but that's that would be my best guess, just in case. Edie Kuhn yeah. or Khan. Jeez, it's a good name. I'd love to know how to say it, Edie. Well, thank you so much from Milwaukee, Wisconsin there. I'd like to thank now from a mystery location, Ooh. possibly from the Fortress of the Moles. <laughs> I would like can to only th- assume. I would like to thank Alan Gilsonan. Alan Gilsonan. Fantastic. Alan's a mystery. What about Rick and Morty? Oh, good one. Which one is he going to be? Pickle Rick. Pickle Rick. He's going to be Pickle Rick. Pickle Rick. I thought for I'm a second I thought you said Pick a Rick. Oh, yeah. All right. I guess Rick. <laughs> there are a lot of Ricks in there. I forgot that. Pickle Rick, though. Pickle Rick. Uh, Alan Gilsonan. Thank you so you much. You just don't want to be Jerry. Alan. You just don't want to be Jerry. Oh. <laughs> Poor Jerry. Yeah, Dave is such a Jerry, but you don't want to be. <laughs> you don't want to be Jerry, but Dave, Jerry. you're such a fuck. Oh, I've never seen this show, so I don't know how offended I should be. <laughs> you should be pretty offended. Jerry sucks. Really? Jerry. Oh. Everyone hates Jerry. Really? Who's the most he's very out. funny. He's very oh my funny. god, Great he's character. so funny. Why do people hate him then? He's just a bit of a dropkick. <laughs> Who, who's the Who's the most popular and best looking character on the show? Uh, they don't really have those. Okay, no. well I'm not in it then. So thank you so Maybe much. Maybe Summer, I guess. Summer's pretty funny. Yeah, they're they're all very funny characters. They're all good. Yeah. Well, good Alan, show. it's you and me, buddy. I think you'd enjoy <laughs> the show, Dave. Although you, yeah, yeah, maybe you wouldn't. <laughs> That's, that's, How about you give it a watch and let us know? Thanks for putting that little asterisk there, Matt, to get yourself out of jail in case but I don't like it. I think you really would like it. It's a lot of, yeah, it's a lot of it's meta very stuff. Very good writing. There's an episode that's all, it's like a heist movie spoof. Very fun. They're putting mm. the team together and there's a lot of, double, it's all double crosses and stuff. Very, you'd, you'd lap that one up, I reckon. That one but you'd have to I'd watch be, a bit to get to it. I'd be the character, one of my favourite characters, Mr. Poopy Butthead. <laughs> yeah. All right, now you're talking. Uh, maybe I'd be Mr. Meeses. <laughs> All um, right. Trying his best. I would like to finally thank from Candler, ugh, North Carolina. Poopy butthole. I got it wrong. Poopy butthole. Sorry. Don't at her. <laughs> Don't at me. They've already done it. Great. Butthole. Thanks, Jess. That was a long enough distraction from North Carolina for me to move on and say I would like to thank from oh, North Carolina. North Carolina. <laughs> oh, my God. No, he's saying the name. You can't now. Uh, uh Teresa or Therese Lavalley. Oh, what Therese a great name. Lavalley. Lavalley. What about uh, Therese or That's Teresa is in Powerpuff Girls, one of my favourite cartoons <gasps> growing up. Oh, I yeah, loved it. Yes. I loved what, the blue one, Bubbles. Bubbles, that was my favourite. I loved Bubbles. I never she watched so it sweet. until finally watched it for Primates uh, earlier this year. I think we did a Primates episode about it because the bad guy is... Uh, Mojo Jojo. Mojo Jojo. Mojo Jojo. Yeah, that was a fun show, though. It was a real funny, funny sort of stuff. Oh, really, really funny. Mm. I like it a lot. So uh, thank you so much to uh, Teresa or Therese from La Valley, uh, no, from Candler in Undisclosed State in the United States of America. Good save. What were the other Powerpuff Girls' names? Uh, Buttercup. Yes. And Blossom. That's right. Buttercup was Bubble. the badass green one. And yeah, yeah. Blossom was, Blossom the, was the red leader. Like pink? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or pink, yeah. Man, that's a good show. I, I'm going to give Zoe one last ch- uh, choice. Oh, um, my God. 
What was that cartoon where there were um, uh, like monsters and one of them held its eyes in its hands? Oh, our real monsters. Our real monsters. And that was Crumb. Yeah, that's right. That's another possible option there for you, Zoe. Jeez, oh. I've given you some duds. And Sorry Zoe could that, be Zoe. Crumb, Ikus, or Oblina. What the three characters? Man, I that's loved it. Right. I loved it so much. I had or a crumb Futurama, toy. Or Futurama Zoe. You could be you could Oh, be my Lena. God. <laughs> Matt, why, why does Zoe get so many? Yeah, Everybody you, else gets one. Why are you panicking, Matt? Stop playing favorites. Zoe loved wish, the first I option. I think we should go back there and give everyone five options now just in case. <laughs> yeah. Actually, let's redo every Patreon we've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> We've got to go back to the start. Oh, thanks so much for all your support, though. Uh, amazing stuff from Eric, Dominic, Zoe, Kevin, Michael, Terry, Edie, Alan, and Therese. Yes, uh, but particularly Sorry. we'd like to thank Zoe, of course. <laughs> <laughs> all equally, uh, you're all amazing and we appreciate you so much. Thank you so much. Uh, but that pretty much brings us to the end of the episode. How fun has Block been? We've passed the halfway mark yet and only the two biggest block topics to come. Absolutely we're, right. We're having some, we've, we've got some fun ideas for November to uh, keep the fun going. So, Well, speaking of fun, do we need to check if there's any members of the Triptych Club to be welcomed oh, in? Of course, yes. I did have a brief look earlier and there are two inductees uh, into the Triptych Club this week. So uh, what are they, who's, who's playing the music? Dave picks the music for those new listeners. Uh, Jess figures out uh, the cocktail and the hors d'oeuvres. I'm checking the names off the list. Great. Well, uh, he's actually, he's got a new album out, uh, but he's also playing his greatest hits. Uh, much appreciated from John Bon Jovi. Oh, Whoa. John Bon himself. He's coming Living down. on a prayer. Uh, on a steel whoa, horse, he whoa, rides. Whoa, 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 <laughs> whoa, whoa. Yeah, well, what, what do you call that thing where you can? It's like a vocalizer or something. There's a tube that they sort of sing into and it electrifies it. A vocalizer generated maybe? by Foo Fighters used it as well. Oh, wow, wow, wow. Yep, I know what you're talking about, and I can't think of the name. Vocoder. Mm-hmm. Vocoder rings a bell. Maybe that was a thing that ha- lasted not very long. Maybe <laughs> bring it back, rock and roll. Yeah, due for a resurgence. Uh, okay, so John Bond in the corner playing solo. Yeah, playing solo. What was his big solo hit? It was the one from Young Guns. Uh, it's probably my favourite song of his anyway. Uh, Bound for Glory. No, Bound for... Mm, Bound for sure. Glory's Rose Tattoo. Doesn't matter. Blaze of Glory. Thank you. All right. Um, and Jess, what do we got? What are we eating? What are we drinking? Um, well, uh, given Robin's love of partying, we've got beer and cocaine. <laughs> oh, all right. I oh, love wow. cocaine as an hors d'oeuvre. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's going around on silver trays, little lines. Yeah. That's a bit of fun. All right, so just two inductees this week. Uh, Dave's the hype man. I'll lift up the velvet rope, bring him in. Dave gives him a hype, and then Jess has started a new role of hyping up Dave's hyping. All right. Yes. Feeling good. All right, and, of course, I don't think we've explained. These are people that have supported us uh, at the shout-out level for three consecutive years, so that's how you get into this club. It's very exclusive. Only a few members at most each week get welcomed in. So here we go. Warming up the pipes. Woo! Okay. Yeah, on, yeah, yeah, yeah. That we was go. a really important part to explain yeah, what yeah. we're doing yeah. this, Dave, that I forgot. Thank <laughs> yeah. you so much. <laughs> Firstly, from Old Meldrum in Aberdeenshire Ooh. in Great Britain... This is going to be a good name. You are not wrong. It is Grant (laughs) Cheese Wright. Yes! He ain't cheese wrong. He's cheese right. (laughs) Yes! Yes! Welcome in, Grant Cheese Wright. Great name, mate. Great name, honestly. I'm patting you on the back for that one. 
If he's cheese right, well, I don't want to be cheese wrong. <laughs> uh, and secondly, from Melbourne, Victoria, in Ooh. Australia, it is Georgia Cowling. <laughs> Sweet Georgia Cowling. All right. <laughs> yes. He's done it again. <laughs> Uh, so welcome in, che- Grant Cheeserite and Georgia Cowling. A couple of fantastic names, Thanks as so always. Much. Both of you, legends, absolute legends. Grab yourself a line, have a beer, <laughs> crack it open, let's party. Hey, this responsibly. Is safe. This is safe cocaine. Yeah, though. and only do, you know, we don't encourage it, do it in a responsible manner. God, no, I don't encourage it at all. We've I'm got, just providing it. We've got medics uh, waiting if required. This cocaine is essentially, I'll be honest, it's just ground up vitamins. Okay. Nice. So people are just going to feel really good. The placebo effect. and then... Total placebo effect. Yeah. If I can just say that as a disclaimer for anybody who's listening who's a cop. Oh, no. Yeah. Who was like ready to just rock up to my house and, and arrest me. Well, bet you feel stupid. No, good point, Jess. And I should say this. If you are a narc, stop listening right now. <laughs> this podcast is not... For you. We are this is narc friendly. Yeah. We're narc unfriendly. No narcs allowed. We so, have one. <laughs> I said <laughs> we're allowed one. No homers. <laughs> um but I think that does bring us to the end of the episode. Thank you so much, everyone, uh, for giving us a crack if this is your first time or coming back for possibly your two hundred and sixtieth time. We welcome and- all. Snorting some crack if you've just got into the club. That's right. We welcome you all, except except narcs, of course. No narcs. No narcs. Vitamin crack. Ooh, this is vitamin crack. (laughs) New product we've come up with. This could be big. Real big. (laughs) Uh, But you can get in contact with us at uh, our website, dogoonpod.com, which links you to our Patreon, to the form where you can suggest a topic. So we'll shout out to you if you do that. Anyone can do that. Don't have to be a Patreon supporter. So that's open at all times to get into the hat. Uh, we've got an email, dogoonpod at gmail.com, and we are at dogoonpod on all the social medias. And uh, we're also on YouTube. We've got some live videos out. And also a web series. Whoa! We are across the mediums. We're honestly, we've we've done so much. If you're not impressed by it, <laughs> I, I don't know what you want from us. We're trying really hard. <laughs> okay. So what do you want? I'll, do you want me to dance for you? I'll do it. We are massive tryhards, if you didn't realise. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, hope you're all but having... No a fantastic block, apart from Narcs, who should not be listening. <laughs> Hope you're having the shittest block ever. Uh, uh, as always, I want to know, what are you doing for block? That's the question on everyone's lips. Let us know what you're doing for block uh, on those social medias that Dave mentioned. But, yeah, food at home, Davey boy. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. And until next time, I'll say thank you and goodbye. Later. Bye. podcast is part of the planet broadcasting network visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates i mean if you want it's up to you small details are big surfaces tight corners are odd shapes flat rounded textured or tall whatever your next project there's a spray paint pattern that's just right because rustoleum's new custom spray five and one gives you control with five different spray patterns so you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 